You're listening to Well I Laughed, part two of Lost and Found, Money and a Gun. Hey guys, just a little bit of a warning for today's episode. Uh, This is going to be the first two-parter that Grant and I have uh, tackled together, and today's part of the episode is going to end on a bit of a cliffhanger. So um, if you're like me and just like the story and like listening for the sake of listening, go ahead and uh, enjoy the show, I guess. But if you would rather wait until all the content is released for this story, I would go ahead and skip today's episode and wait until next week when the rest of the story is going to be released. And additionally, there is a bit of a trigger warning necessary for a brief mention of sexual assault. Um, And that's going to happen around the three quarter mark or three quarters of the way through the episode mark. And um, it's not detailed or gruesome in nature. We don't talk about it for that long. Um, And I think you'll kind of see where the conversation is going when we lead up to it. So if that's going to be something that you're sensitive to, go ahead and skip forward maybe a couple minutes. Um, And then the rest of the story should should go on uh, without any mentions of that. There is a couple mentions of a few deaths that happen. But again, it's not overly graphic or... um, I don't know, detailed in nature. And so, yeah, I think that's it. Let's get into it. Flawlessly. I don't... Okay. That's true. You can leave. There is a what? new there's a new Hayao Miyazaki movie. Okay. Um do you know what that is? Yeah, and it's this one has it's it's not a crane, but it's a giant bird. It's a heron. Yeah, that's it. There and it is. And Edward Pattinson does the Eng- English dub for that heron, and it does not fucking sound like Have you like already him. seen it? And no, it comes out in like 2 weeks or something. I was gonna, like I was going to pitch you to go see it. I already put it on Casey and I's calendar. <laughs> I yeah, I this is his like this is his big movie, um, like the last movie he's ever doing. And so I this you is meant his. Casey and no, I no, was no, like, Hayao Miyazaki. Hayao Miyazaki. Besides the rocket, I'm also making this movie. Right <laughs> it's the last one. You may have heard of him. His name is Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, he's just your cosplay character. He's your stage name. Uh, one of my assistant coaches on the speech and debate program. Uh, he is one of our alums. He's great. He's like a musician and he's going to school and he wears like upcycled denim. He's, mm. you know, he's just very interesting. He's and, that kid. And yes, yes, 100%. Um, he has to make a music video for one of his classes. He's like, perfect, my band can get a music video. Yeah. And so they film it all, record it all, and now he's trying to edit it and he's like, mister, like three hours of, because he still calls me mister. Yeah. And he goes, mister, three hours of editing is like one second of a music video. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> hey, Casey, can you turn this one down like halfway? I just looked directly into it and blinded myself. <laughs> Not that. Uh, Riley, Adam, and I rewatched uh, number two of the Hunger Games trilogy uh, oh, last night, uh, which is also partially why the song is in my in head right head. now. That's yes. fair. That's fair. I was going to say, Stanley Tucci, um, I saw him in the ads for the new for the new Hunger Games one, and he, I don't know, he he looks younger. He's he's not in the newest Hunger Games. They hired someone else. Are you serious? Yes. I could have sworn it was him. Do you think they they brought him back for that role again? Is that what you thought yeah. they did? Yeah. So that is a prequel 
I, I understand okay. that it's a prequel. Okay. It's not him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got what you said as soon as you said it's not him. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's been great. Hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our show. Welcome to our show. Buckle in, because it's going to be a long one. We're in, um, I think, a fun headspace tonight, because we've both been dedicating a lot of our time recently. I have poured myself into my social calendar in a way that is both admirable and not recommended. And you have been putting together what I think is your magnum opus, which is this episode. (laughs) I know so little, even though I already kind of feel like I know a little bit about what we're up to learn. Grant, this is the first time Grant knows the topic that I'm doing, I think, before. Um, But I, like, kind of asked him what he knows, and he gave me, like, two phrases, and I said, great, you know nothing. We'll still do it. (laughs) And I'm a lifelong learner. That's what I try to model. I'm super excited about it. Um, No, I am really excited. Yeah. I have a story for you that I've been teasing out since, like, last week. Yes. Um, I... (laughs) I'm part of a book club. Also, today has been today and yesterday have been nuts because um, for all my bookish bookish girlies out there, there is a really popular book right now called Fourth Wing, and the sequel mm-hmm. just released yesterday. Okay, and so I finished it this morning. <laughs> oh, okay. And so. <laughs> okay. Okay. So my Aren't brain they like intense fantasy books. Yeah, my uh, brain is fucking everywhere. Okay. I. Uh, there's a girl that's in my book club that I've known. She was in my sorority, but I was never really close with her. Sure. But in the book club, she's the only other one that's finished it. And so I don't really talk to her or know her that well, but I t- texted her and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> she's like, we've had 24 hours and only two of us have finished the book. That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Frankly, do better. Um, but it was absolutely bananas. But anyway. My interaction with our community, especially those of us who have joined us on Discord, mm-hmm. is that that is way more of you than I think it is. Yeah. Because I will, sometimes I'll get a book and, you know, we'll just kind of nestle up for like three to six months with it. Um, and you finished it in 24 hours. It's a, it's a thick one, in too. In the week. Like, in the middle of the week. Yeah. Um, luckily, work is light. Good. Okay. So, Good. um I'm not going to say any more about that. <laughs> <laughs> understandable, understandable. Work is not light, and they keep launching new initiatives. Look at this and fucking Holy thick shit, them. it's also an intense black. Yeah. Oh, this is dope. Right. It's about dragons. It's like, it, I feel like all of the girls who haven't been, or all the people, I guess, who haven't been into, like, fantasy or, like, reading lately have gotten into this book because Before it's me. like Hunger Games. Right. Um, it has a lot of the same aspects and then it has dragons and then all of this other shit. And so it's all of the books that we read as kids, like, like Divergent, Hunger Games. Yeah. And then like How to Train Your Dragon, the movie, but like more serious (laughs) (laughs) and like Aragon if it didn't flop. (laughs) So I will say this. I seriously considered picking it up. Um, now is not a great time for me to start new books. Mm -hmm. Um, only reason I didn't, I basically exclusively read queer literature. That's fair. If the main character isn't a queer person, I have a really hard time paying That's how attention Tyler or is caring. As well. We tried have, having like conversations about the books that we read, and he's like, but are they gay? Right. And I was like, well, no. Like, there are gay characters, but these ones aren't. Oh, okay. And he's like, oh, okay. What's the chapter of the gay characters then? <laughs> <laughs> there is a gay character. I think she's more bi. There's a couple that are bi. They always um, are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more like, I, I think this author does a really good job of like um, 
incorporating queer culture without like tokenizing them because mm. a lot of fantasy authors will do that sure. where they're like this person's gay look at this gay character <laughs> and everyone's cool with it and everyone's really cool with it <laughs> i twitch but this one like you, they just mention it i think there's a non-binary character it's oh, like cool. never mentioned but they're only referred to as they and i really appreciate that it's just like mm. eh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how they go. Um, but nice. anyway, this book club met on Thursday because Fourth Wing was our book for the last month because the sequel came out today. And I hosted it here. And this is the first time I've ever hosted it. And like I said, it's a lot of people, like Abby's in it, but that's right. the only person that I'm like really close with in the book club. Other than that, it's like people that I knew from college or they're like friends of friends. So it's like a, a lot of new people that have never seen this house okay. before. And so we're... Oh. This palace? This palace? And not even because it's huge. It's just like so ornately well decorated. <laughs> One of the two of the girls that came, I didn't know them really well, but they were like walking past and I knew that they were coming because they had like snacks in their hand. Right. And I was like, they're they're just They're here for the book club. They're here for the book club. But <laughs> they came in and they're like, I saw your decorations and I was like, God, I hope that's the place that we're going. <laughs> like, yes. It is. Yeah. Um, so they don't watch the podcast, huh? They don't. <laughs> one, they, or a couple of them mention it every time and then I try not to like talk mm. about it because I don't want to like mention it at all. make it the whole thing that mm -hmm. we talk about. Um, but... I still have coworkers finding out that I have a podcast, and I'm like, because this is my safe space from that place. <laughs> I'm really anxious to see when my coworkers that I am not like friends with outside find right. out about it, because none of them have yet. Um, but I'm sure it'll happen. Um, but anyway, we have this book club. We're all kind of sitting here at this table, eating snacks, like talking about the book, talking about all of our theories and stuff. And one of the girls, Megan, was. I was really close to when I was in my sorority in college and she's seen like Instagram videos of this place and like all this right. stuff. So she knows I have a rooftop balcony. And so she's like, I'd love to see the rooftop. And I was like, yeah, of course, like we can all go up there. It's like a little cold, but we can hang out there for a little bit and like look at the view because we have a pretty good view. And I go up there and there's this little like space in between the, the patio deck and the actual roof right. where we have like a pigeon nest. <laughs> Um, and I block it off so that the dogs can't get down there by this like little grate, but because of like, um, I don't know, like all the rain and stuff, it's kind of fallen off and it's sure. not as well secured anymore. So anyway, Bowser and Mo come up there because they fucking love it up there because they right. know that there's going to be pigeons up there. <laughs> um, and so Bowser goes and he's like barking over there. I'm holding Mo and she's squirming like her life depends on it. And I'm like, okay, if you like, I'm pretty sure the great thing is secure. So I'm like, if you fucking... She has killed, like, a pigeon egg before. Like, oh. she got a pigeon egg, and um, I made Casey clean it up. Anyway, I was like, if you do that again, I'll kill you. I mean, it's November, so I don't think there's eggs down there, but, like, watch it. And speak of the devil. Yeah, there, there she goes. goes. Money moment. <laughs> um, so I let her down. She runs, books it immediately underneath the patio. Of course she is. Of course she gets under there. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I thought when Bowser ran out there, I saw like three pigeons fly away. So right. I figured they were all gone. All gone, right. Monet gets down there and then I'm like calling her name, trying to get down there, doing everything I can to not have to crawl down there after her. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. And then I start hearing a bunch of ruckus come from underneath the patio. And I'm oh, like, God. oh my fucking God. And I see this pigeon, <laughs> like, fighting for its goddamn life. It is running, <laughs> flapping, doing everything it can. Monet hasn't killed it. She's just chasing it out. And Bowser has never gone into that little space, gone past the grate. He's like, now's my fucking chance. I'm not sure who killed it, if it was Monet or Bowser. It died. Oh yeah, it died. Oh no. It died. Bowser picked it up, or I, 
by the time Monet is under the patio, I turn around to one of my book club friends and I'm like, well, one of you go get Casey, please. Cause he's like downstairs. And so they go get Casey and then Bowser goes down there and I don't let Bowser back up. Cause now he has this pigeon in his mouth <laughs> and he's just holding it. He looks so happy with himself. And now I have all of these friends that I don't know super well that have just witnessed my two dogs murder a pigeon, murder this pigeon. And Casey comes up and I release Bowser and he goes over and literally drops the pigeon at Casey's feet. He's like, I got this for you. And it's, um, I don't know how he did it because he's not like a bird dog. He doesn't have any bird dog in him, but he didn't like harm the pigeon beyond like whatever killed it. I'm not even really sure. You expect me to pet them every time I come here. (laughs) Those cold blooded killers. (laughs) Yes. You're not a vegetarian, so you can't say jack shit. I actually have a really soft spot for pigeons. I do too. I really do too. I I want them to be I want to befriend them. After Monet killed the egg, I like put like feed out there for them. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll help support the rest of you. Yeah. I hope you find a charity of for pigeons to donate to. Yeah, and so I'm like so annoyed at these dogs and so like embarrassed almost right. because these people that I don't know mm. well have now experienced the chaos that is my life, I guess. And so Monet comes down with Casey. She has to get a bath um, because she was wearing like this hoodie and she got a bunch of pigeon shit on her. And I, Bowser comes down and he has like adrenaline, I guess. And so he like won't stop like kind of pacing. And I had to like towel him down and he later got a bath because he had like some blood on him. And um, everything's fine we're like we settle back in i'm like i'm so sorry that has never happened before like bowser has never gone after a bird like that bowser's never even gone down there they've never like captured anything they've never killed anything monet killed a snake once and that's like it oh my god she's bred for it that's like what they do i'm proud of mo for that i am too i hate i I, I, it was at my college house and i look out the back window and she's like shaking something vigorously and she shakes her toys all dogs do but i was like she doesn't have any toys out there what is it I go out, it's a fucking snake. <laughs> and I was like, you gotta be So she's killed kidding. at least one snake. At least one a snake. one confirmed kill. She had like blood like on her cheek. So I think I would have known if she killed mm, something else. Sure. Um, but anyway, we all come back down here. I'm like apologizing profusely. I have a simmer pot on the <laughs> oven. It smells beautiful down here. I have cider going and we have all these like snacks. We talk more about fourth wing, get really nerdy with it. Like talk about all of our theories for the next book and how excited we are. And then the fire alarm starts going off. What? Exactly. Before that, actually, we're sitting here and one of the girls, she's sitting right where I am. She points over to where my bathroom is, which is that way. There's a leak coming from the like light onto the floor and we can hear it dripping. And there's another one in the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, don't like that happens. I bet Casey just tried to wash off the deck because of like the pigeon. And we knew that there's some water damage here um, prior to moving in. Like we've seen it. Right. And so I don't really bring it up to Casey. And then the fire alarm goes off. And so and Casey comes down and I'm like. I'm not sure what that's about, but there's a leak also. (laughs) (laughs) So this house that's been the scene of a crime is going to flood or burn down. (laughs) Exactly. No, God's fine with what the dogs did. And so he he goes over to where my simmer pot is, and he's like, "I bet it's because you've left these this oven on for or this stove on for this long," and. They were simmering and I was like, we can't smell anything. And like, even when I turn, Mm -hmm. when I light the stove and if it doesn't light right away, I can smell it. And so like, I have a bad sense of smell, but like gas is pretty easy. And so I was like, are you sure? Right. 
And so he has us open the windows and it, it'll stop every like 30 seconds and start again. It's not like the constant blaring. Mm. And so we're, I'm kind of hoping that it stops and everyone's just kind of like, hanging out because they're like what do we do for an exceptionally odd evening at yes, my house <laughs> and eventually we're like this isn't gonna get fixed like you guys can just go like at this point it was like nine we had started at seven and so it was like we got our discussion in and i think a lot of them left in kind of a panic so they left their snacks which was great for me oh good for you <laughs> yeah uh we found out it was because uh we burst a pipe on the roof with the last freeze that happened. And so there was water coming down and um, because of the water damage, it hit Casey's office, which is right above that bathroom there and um, hit the smoke detector. And apparently water molecules will set off a smoke detector. And um, so once Casey like unplugged, it took the battery out, everything was fine, but it was like- It is nice to know that other people have house problems and like home repairs that yeah. always have to get done i'm so tired of maintaining my home yeah well i was like this is never we've like we haven't really had to do much home repair beyond like fixing like the like disposal the drainage disposal or fucking whatever and like i was like i have i've hosted a lot of things yeah. you've been here for a lot you of you do them. a great job hosting there's She's usually a great host. not like sometimes things go wrong but usually it's never that like one thing after another after <laughs> another and like that girl when she saw the leak she was like um 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 <laughs> the house is flooding from above I was like, um what do i do <laughs> Anyway, and then... How much cheese did you get out of the deal? I still have a whole thing of mozzarella. We'll be right back. Thank you for the (laughs) seat. Some pastries. Dum, 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 dum. Anyways, welcome back. Nice thing of a... No mozzarella. (laughs) (laughs) Got some guac from Whole Foods. Oh, you really did make out, huh? Good for you. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Abby brought the guac, and I think she really just didn't want to come back in to retrieve it. She had left. Her and, like, one other girl had, like, went to go sit outside because it was really loud. Sure. And I think she, like, got my attention from outside and just waved when everyone else was packing up. She's such a queen. She absolutely would do it that oh, way. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's the story. Okay. Is this house safe for us to continue to record it? Yeah, we fixed. We got the pipe fixed as of okay. yesterday. But it was. It would have been fine regardless. Like, it was just an unhinged moment, <laughs> and it was just like, how do these things keep going wrong? So. Cheers. Cheapest way to go get your groceries done, though. Have them bring you the food. That's real true. Um, on the topic of to, on the topic of book clubs. Oh yeah. I'm sorry that took forever. Um, <laughs> Lydia is organizing a book club for the right. Hunger Games sequel, mm-hmm. and I'm very excited about it. Uh, and I need to read it over my Thanksgiving break. I have it. I just haven't read it yet. I'm also thinking about going to Nebraska for like an essentially an entire week. I'm just kind of tired and Bust would fair. love to eat dip for like every day for a whole week and there's that no so better good. place in the world than Lincoln, Nebraska for if you dip. got a hankering for dip. <laughs> it's also really sweet too. I want to go home that weekend before Thanksgiving so I could watch college football with mm. my dad on Saturday. Oh, that's cute. We watch it over Thanksgiving, but it's never quite the same. There's always kind of an event, right. you know, but my dad loves college football when I lived in Lincoln going to college there. I have my Nebraska sweatshirt on now. Eh. <laughs> um I just want to go experience, like, oh, it'd be nice to have, like, a football weekend with Dad uh, mm. again after a couple years. And also just, I get so tired. And everything's so expensive these days. Everything really is. <laughs> I I am excited for Thanksgiving to, like, go and just, like, chill. I'm, 
I don't want to say I'm not looking forward to it because of Casey's nieces and nephews, but um, at least they have their own. I think they're separated this time. The last time we had like a big family gathering, the kids woke everyone in the house up at like mm. 5 a.m. and everyone was pissed. Uh, how old are they? Oh, uh, they're all very close. The youngest is like one. Oh. And then uh, I think the oldest was born in 2019. Family is a blessing. The girls are <laughs> the girls are getting the two oldest are the girls and they're getting old enough to where like mm. they're to be interesting to be like interesting yeah. to at least like they can hold a conversation instead of just like <laughs> it's a shock now that one of us are like on the track to become a parent. <laughs> I do like them. I, well, if you don't have any thoughts on what's in the news, I don't even know why I bought. I don't even know what to talk about. <laughs> have you heard of Ron DeSantis's lips? Because I'm dying to know the truth. <laughs> now, do you prefer good goat cheese or I see? I prefer a nice white cheese and Syrah for my mm. shoe. That's what I want to talk about. That is what I want to talk. It's about. It's also yeah. what I would recommend. A white cheese in, in a, a Syrah. Syrah. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. No, marinated in a Syrah. I mean, the Trader Joe's kind, the purple cheese of Trader Joe's. Could not recommend it highly enough. And then the Columbia uh, salami. That sounds great. Yeah. See, that's what I'm good at. I Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> I was at a birthday party this evening before coming here, and as I walked up, my friend introduced me to her friend uh, who I hadn't met yet, and she was like, oh, this is the other person from Nebraska that I know. You Nebraskans are so handy. And this is said with love. I am looking at, like, the a lesbian who could build a shed. <laughs> <laughs> and I can build a cheese plate. And so we have, like, very different... My dishwasher is broken, and I undid the parts inside the dishwasher, didn't find a clog, terrible news because it means I now know nothing else and I'm hand washing my dishes until the new year when I've paid for all my Christmas presents. You could ask Casey to fix it because he, uh, God forbid, does wants to do nothing else but not pay other people to do work he thinks he can do. He was about to take a fucking drywall saw to that <laughs> thing up there and the entire time I'm like, you know, we the plumber will probably do that and he was like, but they'll pay, they'll charge us an arm and a leg and I was like, we're renting. <laughs> Our landlord will pay, we'll pay for, for all of this. Yeah, and he's like, but it, it'll it'll save Reed some money. And I'm like... And we care why. And I was like, okay. And then he like went and got this drywall saw from his coworker. And then he's up there for like an hour. And then he finally comes back down. He's like, I'm going to let the plumber do it. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, because if you make a hole in the wall that's not going to be covered by... The person you're renting that's from. The conclusion he came to. Okay, good. Here's the thing. I'll say this. I'll say this. And then I want to hear the story. Yes. I'm sorry. I, we, I'm sure this is like, what the hell is this? Not a single funny... <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so good to get married to, but you are in the early days of it, where it's more mistakes than it is successes. But now, my mom has a man, my dad, her husband, who uh, can fix... Anything and everything in the entire world. One time I went downstairs to the basement to ask dad for, I don't know, like the car keys or permission to go somewhere mm. or something. And he is on his stomach shoveling out with his bare hands the pipe around the pipe that then would lead to the toilet. Because he's just doing some like real small plumbing work oh, down what there. What the fuck? 
See, where Casey excels is electrical work because okay. he learned how to do it what with his fuck? job. That's the one thing Greg's like, I shouldn't touch that. No, that's the one thing Casey's like, I have all the equipment because his job technically <laughs> pays for it because he, like, part of his job is going up to panels and, like, industrial plants and, sure. like, seeing where everything's connected and, like, rewiring stuff. So he can do that. And I do trust him. Sure. More or less to do that. I don't trust him with plumbing because right. technically, if we're talking areas of expertise, that would be me as far as the engineer. And no, sure. you don't trust it at all. No, we can get my dad to do the plumbing. We'll get Casey to do the electrical work, and I'm going to have a new ensuite here before yeah, the summer. Yeah, and then I'll <laughs> do all of the DIY building and make myself a secret little cave behind a bookshelf because that will in my happen. bathroom. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Not a very big bathroom, just so you know. <laughs> Not a very big a person, but uh, door that leads to my own speakeasy. You'll be like, I'm shitting. Why is there so Grant, much noise? Your bathroom has a bookshelf in it. Can't be good for the books. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, this is a long story. Okay, so let's get into it. Grant already kind of knows what it's about, but I'm gonna keep it a secret from you guys okay. until we get to the like. I don't know. One of the first climaxes, anyway. There's a funny joke that I'm 100% stealing from a late 90s sitcom that I cannot wait to share and then credit when the time arises. Mm. So I'm excited for tonight's topic. Okay. Um, Yeah, I have a lot of disclaimers, but they will come um, kind of after I reveal what the topic is. (laughs) But first... Setting the scene, we're in the 70s in the United States. What's going on in the United States? I would love to tell you, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So, for in the early 70s, we're in the last couple months of the Nixon administration, and then we're going to elect Jimmy Carter to serve Mm -hmm. from 72 to 76, and then um, in 76, Carter will lose re-election. One of the few presidents in the 20th century sitting presidents to the election and then we're gonna get um oh shucks no i got those times wrong didn't i we're focusing on 73 cool great okay um then yes nixon is definitely still president at that time i'm sorry i need to say this carter's 76 to 80 not 72 to 76 that was my bad i'm so sorry gerald (laughs) ford is there around a little bit i just had to say i had to clear the record because it's it's reagan from 80 to 88 and then it's hw from 88 to 90 and then it's bill uh anyways listen i can barely name all 50 states i don't know what you want from me uh nebraska football just won its first and then second national championship in 1970 1971 go skurs um what's going on like socially socially well there's still like the hippie movement Mm -hmm. which is just born from the beatniks generation but don't get me started on that right now um there is like this resurgence of like flower power there's then also kind of this like sharp turn against that right so there's like all these like beautiful wonderful people who are making a series of wise and also unwise choices and then there's what nixon called the silent majority Mm -hmm. of americans who like rejected all of that like free thinking and like no strings attached love things like that Mm -hmm. and a lot of political scientists today says that that silent generation has actually flipped and Mm -hmm. that the silent generation in america today is for the most part like fine with most like social progress but doesn't like taxes, you know. God uh, forbid. Exactly. Every time Casey and I are talking about where to move, and he's like, "I want to be outside here, right? Forever." Yeah, no, in Colorado. In Colorado. <laughs> I was. No, just like when we eventually I leave this place for half a second. We're not going to move out of by the this state. place. She means the building we the are currently building. in, not this earthly toil We're... either. <laughs> But he keeps, we're like trying to figure out where we want to move, and there's a lot of places I don't want to be because I grew up here, and so I don't want to be within like 
driving distance, like five minute drive of my high school. That's right. a no no. Right. I don't want to be within a five minute drive of my childhood home. And so he was like, well, I want to be outside of Denver proper because the property taxes. And I looked at him what? and I was like, you're talking to me <laughs> about property tax and how you don't want to pay it. No, we're going to live in Denver proper. I'm not, not going to move to Douglas County. I'm not going to move somewhere just for the taxes, and you should know that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm a communist. If you want to live on the west side, move to the neighborhood me and the Bohawks live in, which is on the west side, but still in, I mean, they're not in Denver, but they wish. They're, they're like, close, though. They're really they're close. They're really close. They're, they're really close. Culturally, right they're in it. Yes. None of this means anything to anyone but my and I right now. Hell yeah. Okay, so. Did you so... guys make spaghetti, by the way, tonight? It smells wonderful in here. Oh, I ordered Maggiano's for my little reading night last night. <laughs> So is that what I'm still smelling? Yeah. Well, I had the leftovers. Like, like a beautiful roasted garlic sauce is the way I could describe really it. Okay. Okay. So background. In oh, the 1970s. Yep. 1970s. Yep. In general, there's a lot of protesting and social uprising happening around this time. Protests on campuses a lot of the time um, around the country from east to west coast, ranging from topics like the Vietnam War, free speech, the environment, women's rights, racism, and notably the prison movement. Um, the prison movement? The prison movement. The movement to get people in prisons? No. Prison reformation, oh. I guess, would be a better oh, okay, way there we go. It. Okay, cool. Because yeah. cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a lot of people around this time believed that prisons represented everything that was wrong with society. It represents, mm. um, like, a society structure that enables... Uh, racism, violence, and oppression of the poor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, one of the notable things that kind of led this off was the Attica prison riot in 1971. Mm. And this was in New York where prisoners revolted and took, um, I think it was like almost 50 civilians and correctional officers hostage. And this rebellion, as well as other prison rebellions that happened, brought light to prison conditions and the system's general lack of success in rehabilitating prisoners. Um, and that's because the system had not changed since the 1800s. Oh. So... So we're reforming some prisons. So we're reforming some prisons. For our one singular hot second. Yes. And then we... I, Elect Reagan, war on drugs, we, yeah, everything gets yeah, bad again. And then nothing Everything really bad happens. is because of Reagan. I want you to know that. I mean, not everything, <laughs> oh, but like most of them are Re bad. Reagan makes an appearance in this story. Good. Oh, I assumed he does. Yes. In most stories based on this time, somehow Reagan's involved. I don't. I, when I saw his cameo, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Speaking of conservatives, and you might choose to cut this. That's it's fine. your call. We had a little video. Just a little joke. Just a little oh joke about Tucker Carlson. <laughs> And Instagram was like beautiful. TikTok was like amazing. YouTube was like 45 incels being like, leave my boyfriend's name out of your mouth. How They're dare like, you say one bad thing about Tucker, Tucker Carlson? Tucker Carlson doesn't even care about you. All like, Tucker Carlson ever did was create a hostile work environment <laughs> and spread misinformation about the vaccine while happily taking it himself. <laughs> what is so wrong with that? We were like, calm down. Also, thanks for the view. <laughs> you, oh, I know, right? We were both like, I mean, a view's a view. A wins a win. A wins a view. You know. Yes, exactly. Did you know he's the like, one of the heirs to like the Kellogg fortune or something? I have a joke that will make sense in a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna shut the fuck up. <laughs> Go on. You just made me think of it. I don't know if I remember it. Um, so specifically around this time, we're gonna focus in Berkeley, California, in nice. 1973. Everyone who's a radical or wanted to change the world in some capacity at least considered going to UC Berkeley. Sure. Because this area was kind of a hotbed for uh, political radicals. And then they all moved there. 
they bought all the houses and then prohibited any new house or apartment to ever be built ever, ever. up to today. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Coming for you, Berkeley. And so um, <laughs> students believed that there needed to be an armed revolution to take over the government in oh. order to change society for the better. January 6th. Yeah, exactly. Except <laughs> for the good of the people. Of course. Well, it always is. Exactly. My, yeah. I am the unelected spokesperson for the people. Yes. That's how I feel about my students. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a news clip where a student is getting interviewed and he says, um, Nixon is definitely looking at students as the enemies of the country right now. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah, you're threatening probably. to overthrow the government, yeah. you are the enemy of that government. Probably, yep. And notably Tucker near... Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so around Berkeley, the closest prison is Vacaville. And okay. so a lot of students from Berkeley... Uh, went there and volunteered their time there as part of kind of this prison reform movement. So some would go there to educate. Um, students and ex-students would go there as teachers, but really as political organizers. So they're seeking kind of support for their, their political movements. Okay. And this is where um, I titled this section, Meet Your Hosts. Um, <laughs> Hi, I'm Grant. I'm 30. Uh, love a good, leave me alone for three days, but also Thai food. Yes, exactly. And also, <laughs> we meet, here is where we meet. Oh, the host of the story. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. You can be in it if you want. I don't think you I'm will in about an hour. I'm fully planning on inserting myself. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> so the first person we're going to meet, is his name is Willie Wolf. He came from upper middle class Connecticut. He went to Berkeley to become an archaeologist, but he became radicalized as he was here with all the, the uh, riots and protests and everything, and spent time educating at Vacaville, where he met two of our other main characters, whose names are Joe Ramiro and Russ Little. They also met here Donald DeFries, who is a prisoner at Vacaville, and Donald, Willie, Joe, and Russ kind of become like this good group Those of friends. Those are 1970s names, if I have oh, ever heard them. So God. three Berkeley students and an inmate, yes. and they're all super close. Yes, okay. they're all super close. I'm actually not sure if Joe and Russ were students at Berkeley or if they okay. worked there. That wasn't totally clear. Um, but... Donald kind of has a reputation as being a professional criminal. He has spent the last decade or so being in and out of prison. This time he was in prison at Vacaville because he beat up a prostitute, stole a check from her, and then tried to cash it and got caught. Check is the funniest thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's bad, though. That's bad. No, bad. Obviously, that's bad. Super bad. Funny um, to think, like, give me your billions, you know? Like, <laughs> exactly. Gold to blooms. So Donald wants to escape obviously, as most prisoners, I feel like, do. And he finds out that um, prisoners get sent to work on the boilers, which are off campus, so to say, of the prison. And so once he gets sent to work on the boilers, uh, he stays for a little bit, and then he just escapes. And, okay. Yeah, this is really... And do his besties know where he's at? Uh, it's not really sure who picked him up. Okay. But it's thought that Willie probably picked him up. Okay. Um, and so the four men, and then also two women, Nancy Ling Perry and Patricia, her nickname is Ms. Moon, which is probably how I'll refer to her. Okay. Patricia Ms. Moon Soltizic. Um, what, those two women were also in the social circles of these men, and so they kind of get drawn in as well. So it's these five people. And so Donald DeFries uh, moves in with Ms. Moon and Nancy, and they begin coming up with ideas for the revolution because okay. they're revolutionists. Oh. Donald DeFries 
is kind of on house arrest essentially at this point. He can't exactly leave the house, and so he right because he's an because escaped he's an prisoner. Escaped right, prisoner. Right, and so all he does is kind of watch the news and get mad about all the political <laughs> things happening. Which, he is every retired person in every state between here and Pennsylvania. Which also me because I put on <laughs> CNN as background noise, and then I'm like, I'm sorry, what the fuck did that person that just say? That can't be good for your brain. No, it with can't. Love that can't no, it be can't. good. Um, and so he comes up with an idea. If you for started wa- watching Guadalupe. Lupe de la Rosa, you might know some Spanish in a couple weeks. Okay. What the fuck are you it's talking? a telenovela. Oh, okay. I'm down with that. <laughs> yeah, sure. And could not be worse for you than the CNN on constant stream. Yeah, to that's your brain. really true. Um, so Donald DeFries comes up with this idea for this revolutionary group, and he calls it the Symbionese Liberation Army. And Symbionese is, I think, a made-up word. Okay. I'm. It's not registering for I'm me. I'm like anything. 99% sure it's made right. up, but it's. Uh, derivative in his mind of symbiosis well, and meaning symbiosis between students and prisoners. Symbionese is made up as a word. Yeah. Uh, and then also doesn't have an army. So that word's also kind of made up yeah. in this instance yeah. too. Liberation is the only thing he's really kind of actively a part of right now because yeah. he liberated himself from prison. He did. He was like, hell yeah, power <laughs> to the people. Oh, it should be noted Donald DeFries is um, a black man. That oh, cool. will come into okay. play later. Um, and then he come, Donald DeFries comes up with this name, the Symbionese Liberation Army. It's, its acronym is SLA. Right. And some of you are probably catching on to where the story is going by now. <laughs> but he creates this logo, which is the seven-headed cobra, which Ooh. I have a picture of. I love a picture. Yeah. Um, it's right here. This is literally the only picture that I... <laughs> that, that was so dumb. Brought. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only photo? For today's episode, yeah. So I'll say this. The the body of the cobra is really well done. And then it looks like it was and just the, a regular cobra oh that someone, like, copy-pasted seven times. But it got worse and worse. It's a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so each of the heads of the cobra represent a value. And these values came from the same values as Kwanzaa. And I'm not sure how, I'm not sure if Donald DeFree celebrated Kwanzaa or what, but that's where they're from. Um, and from left to right... The heads of the cobra represent self-determination, unity, creativity, collective work and responsibility, purpose, faith, and cooperative production. Which I did not know Kwanzaa had those values. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Don't know how a snake represents those either, but I hate snakes and celebrated their death earlier on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay. And so the SLA is looking to make radical change. And in order to make radical change, you need the attention of the public. Correct. And so they're trying to figure out ways to get the attention of the public and the sympathy of the revolutionaries at Berkeley. And there's not a general election whose electoral votes they could steal anytime yes. soon. Yes, so, so what they have do you to do? think what of some other do? options. What would you do in this situation? Um, probably talk to a friend and go on a hike. Oh, interesting. I think I would um, just handle the mental health crisis that I'm having and just kind of un- I don't know, maybe do a little reading on nihilism. That would be really smart. Okay, um, they thank decided you. to go you heard a it. very different route. <laughs> Army, I believe, was the word that yes, was used. Nice. Uh, okay. This This is something that's kind of lost to the story. So if you heard SLA and know exactly what story I'm telling right now, this might not be a part of the story that you recognize because it kind of gets lost. Okay. Um, But so as I mentioned, Donald is stuck inside because he's an escaped convict and he is watching the news and he sees a man named Marcus Foster, who is the Oakland superintendent of schools. And Marcus is trying to have a police system at schools um, where they ID all of the children. and, And this is a 
measure of safety for the kids. Okay. But Donald DeFreeze sees this as a method of control. Yeah. And so... I mean, it's probably both. Yeah. Uh, and so Donald decides that in his clear mind where he is totally <clears throat> thinking logically in his state, he says, Marcus Foster has got to go, baby. I know what'll help prove that his safety message isn't good if I murder him. That's exactly what they do. Shut the fuck up. Do they yes, murder him? They murder him. I'm sorry. That was a little flippant. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to be able to pull something off, to be completely honest. Oh, I thought it a was a... a lot of people are on board with you. Oh, okay. A lot of people were like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I had no idea they actually could they commit capable murder. capable of this. Right. I don't think anyone knew who the SLA was before this. Oh, my God. Is it horrendous? Is it... Um, so, after a school board meeting, the SLA finds him as he's walking out of his car, and they shoot him at point-blank range. That's really it. Oh, my God. Um, the... Uh, it's so this I've mentioned the five members. It's Joe, Russ, Willie, Donald, and then the two women, uh, Ms. Moon and Na- or and yeah, Nancy. And so Joe Ramiro and Russ Little are the lookouts. That is important. They're the lookouts. They're sta- sitting in the car as the getaway drivers. And uh, I'm doing my first because this is an audio platform. I'm doing my first holding my hand yeah. and looking at Maya all <laughs> like, like scrunched face, like what? Yeah. Um, and so Ms. Moon, Nancy, and DeFreeze are the shooters. I'm not sure who actually did the shooting or if they all shot him or whatever. Um, but this is an organization who believes we need armed rebellion to take over the government. That like schools, students and prisoners should be hand in hand. And their way of attacking the government is the superintendent of the local school board. Yes. Okay, just so I could follow mm-hmm. all of those steps. Exactly. Which yeah. are clearly linked and not a single problem clearly with linked, any of them. Absolutely clear-headed um, on the part of You know, of the Donald superintendent's DeFries. not even an elected position. Are you serious? Yeah, you uh, you elect the school board, and then and the then superintendent is an employee of the school board. Jesus Christ. They didn't even pick a fucking public figure. <laughs> <laughs> pick a public employee. Yeah. So Sorry, that's so nerdy to like split that hair, but that's upsetting. No, I get it. It's, it is upsetting. And um, so this is the first time that the SLA is mentioned on the news because they claim responsibility for this okay. murder. They like release and, a press, yeah, release? A press okay. statement or something. And this is considered SLA communicate number one. And that is important. There is going to be more okay. of those. And um, so that that's them saying like, we did it. We killed him. And this is why this is who we are. Um, Marcus Foster was killed with a cyanide-tipped bullet, which I think is just oh my God. bananas. Yeah, like Especially why? At point blank. A range. bullet will do it. A bullet yes. is fine. A bullet is actually overkill at yes. that range. Yeah, murders overkill. I just want yeah. to go ahead and name yes, that too. Exactly. But also, you're poisoning the bullets first. Exactly. Um, and so this. As Grant has kind of pointed out, does not have the result that they expected. <laughs> they were kind of hoping that they would make this like, I don't know, step out into society and all of the revolutionaries would be like, yes, the SLA, come save us. Um, that's I'm sorry, not they what do it was. a murder before they do one recruitment drive? Exactly. Oh my god. They might have been doing some recruitment drives. They have some leaflets and stuff. I'm not sure if they were passing all them out at this point. Companies or organizations had leaflets in the 70s. Yes, exactly. Um, so one of their values or like, I don't know, methods of kind of getting attention is small scale, but intense violent struggle that would set off this larger revolution. And so they kind of were, I think, hoping that this would start it off. However, the assassination of Marcus Foster alienates them from any potential allies. Yeah, could imagine that. And so they're like, well, fuck, what do we do? Was Marcus even, sorry, what was his last name? Foster. Was Mr. Foster even, 
like hated in the Oakland community? I'm not sure. They didn't. I didn't look. I mean, not that that would justify his obviously murder. Yeah. But it's like it'd be one thing if you acted like a controversial public figure, but if he was beloved in the way a lot of school leaders are in their communities, I kind of get the impression he probably wasn't. That the school ID thing was was unpopular. Was unpopular, and that's why it was on the news so often. And Donald DeFreeze like had a chance to get worked up about it. Huh. Um. And it was in Berkeley, in the Berkeley area, and so I assumed they were all kind of around the same idea of the prison reform. Like, why are you trying to make our schools more like sure. controlling? Okay. I don't, I don't really know. I didn't. This is not one of the deep dives that I went in, and I went in some deep dives. Um, and so, this assassination doesn't have the effects that they're hoping, and so they realize that they probably need more people, and so they start putting feelers out there, and that's when we meet your host part two. <laughs> and it's not Grant. It's Maya Warner. This time. <laughs> <laughs> hey. um, and so this is where the SLA meets um, Bill Harris, Emily Harris, and Angela Atwood. And these three are from the Indiana area, and they consider themselves... Like the entire state. (laughs) They're from Indiana. I'm not sure where they're from. I know that... They're from the Indiana area, which is Kentucky, Ohio, and Illinois as well. They're from Indiana! (laughs) Bill and Angela at least went to Indiana University. Do you hear how these goddamn coastal elites talk about us boxy Midwesterners? You done? I'm from the Nebraska area. I have like 20 more pages I want you of to notes. Know. I know you do, but <laughs> someone has to stand up. Someone has to fight back. And that's why we don't like you. And if not me, the SLA. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's probably an appropriate joke They to absolutely make. would not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Bill and Angela at least went to Indiana University. I'm not sure about Emily. I assume she did as well. It was never like explicitly stated. But they all consider themselves radicals. Bill and Angela know each other um, from the theater department at Indiana University, and Emily and Bill are married as of a couple years prior to this. And they all moved to the Bay Area, not at the same time, but they all ended up in the Bay Area to be closer to the center of action, to be more close to where all of the radicalization and riots and protests were happening so that they could help, I don't know, move change. Bill is a Vietnam veteran. His, um, so he, this is how he became radicalized. His first day on the job, he witnesses the torturing of a Vietnam prisoner. Oh, and like from that God. moment on, he says he was like, and yeah. I was done. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he was. Yeah. I'm not sure the backstories of Emily and Angela, and you'll see why later. But um, Bill, Emily, and Angela were then taken to meet the current SLA, and they were like, they were essentially asked, do you want to meet the people who did the Foster assassination? And their plan at this point is what? like, we'll meet them and we want to be kind of associated with a radicalized group, but we don't want to be in their cell. Like we don't want to be in their group. We'll we be associated. Group. We'll be associated with the name SLA, but it's like chains of a supermarket. They want to be the yeah. same name, but a different group. Oh. Yeah. And so like a subsidiary of yes, the SLA. Exactly. Okay. Um, and Bill. His, he has a quote here that says, because of the nature of the Foster assassination, I was prepared to not be impressed. So even he like saw this and was like... They were so messy. If I was going to kill him, I would have done it like a hundred different ways. They're the theater kids. Oh my God. And this comes into play a lot. <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of people who have analyzed the group have been like, and this is the influence of the theater kids. I love it. They're <laughs> theater kids have such an intense, weird energy to them. It's so real. Have you seen the movie Theater Camp? No. You must. Okay. You must. I don't know if I laughed harder this year than when I saw Theater Camp in theaters. Mm. 
Oh, my friends who stayed in town recently, yeah. uh, they looked at me and one of them goes, I just want you to know, I think you have a really great laugh. And I was like, thank you. And then he goes, yeah, I, I tried to recreate it today when you were at work and it's like nearly impossible. That's and I fair. go, oh, because it's just always filled with joy. Like it's, it's like, the, and he goes, it's yeah, just, you're very jolly. And I was like, ah, okay. Uh, okay. So we're back that's to that. That's not the word that I wanted. Well, here's okay. the thing, November, December, that's the only time yeah. I hear that word mm, is yeah, the word fair. jolly. And it's fine. I mean, it is. So, you know. There was a couple months ago, I went out to drinks. One of my co workers um, is like the younger sister of someone I went to middle school with. It's like oh, this very okay. random connection. And we didn't go to the same middle school because her, the one that I knew, the one that went to middle school with me, was like uh, really good at gymnastics. Okay. And so he was going to my middle school so that he could be closer to the gym. He. He, yes. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I hadn't seen him like since middle school. We went to different high schools, and I saw him one night when I went to go drink, get drinks with my coworker. And I, at one point, laughed. He didn't recognize my face okay. at first. And I laughed, and he went, oh, I remember that laugh. And I went, oh, no. Welcome to the club. It's like, man. <laughs> it's technically always a compliment, but never hits like it should. Uh, a Republican uh, on our YouTube said, her laugh is so unattractive. <laughs> I went, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> congratulations. A Republican does not find you attractive. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, um, gosh. We were about to get so side tangent on what we cannot get side tangent on. We're so going, we're going to go we're back going, to we're it. Going. Because I have like 18 more thoughts. <laughs> Join us on the Patreon and I will give you all of my thoughts on dating Republicans. But mainly, anyway. don't. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. Um, so the core SLA group brainstorms with these new members, um, Bill, Emily, and Angela, on how to make an impact on the society as a whole, as like a more positive impact okay. on the revolutionaries, kind of like something that's going to be less violent than an assassination. This assassination didn't work. Back to the drawing board. Ba exactly. And so, obviously, these are insane conversations I to be know. having. Um, and it's important to note at this point, theater in the 70s was a lot of guerrilla theater. I'm sorry. Much like a couple weeks ago, <laughs> I imagined gorilla suits. No, gorilla. That's not what you meant. No, G U E R I L O A. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gorilla. Yes, and <laughs> that kind of gorilla is not in monkey suits. Is it just street theater? It's like street theater depicting <laughs> political situations. Listen, all know? community theater must be contained to the community theater building itself. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I didn't teach theater. That is not homophobic thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this kind of guerrilla theater is used a lot for these kind of really politically tense situations at this time. And so I think that is where Bill and Angela at least kind of excelled okay. of like kind of understanding what strings to pull and how far to pull them. Because Donald DeFreeze is about to pull it all the way to motherfucking hell. Okay. And <laughs> that's not where to go. Um, <sighs> yeah. So they propose a kidnapping. Instead of a killing. A harmless little, easy to undo kidnapping. A little easy to undo kidnapping. So easy, it'll be over in a jiff, obviously. Um, and so uh, they start making a list of potential kidnap victims. And like they're trying to find people with influence, you know, um, that kind of stuff. And before they get a chance to kidnap people, they have a safe house. Their safe house, they call it the Concord House because it's on Concord Street. Okay. I'm not sure if that's actually what they call it or if like people referring to the story now call it the Concord House. Okay. But Joe Ramiro and Russ Little, it is January 10th of 1974. Um, the SLA obviously has a lot of weapons, a lot of weapons that they alter to make fully automatic, oh, which yikes. is okay. 
illegal. Yes. <laughs> You're not allowed to fucking have that. Well, and I mean, you are today because we have no gun laws, but back in the time, super illegal. Super illegal and you'll get arrested <laughs> I just don't know if that's the law or not, but it just feels I like the know. spirit of the world we live in these yeah, days. I don't know. Uh, I think fully automatic is still illegal. I think you're, uh, whatever. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they also have um, flyers in the back of the van that they're driving um, that link them to the SLA. It's the recruitment flyers. So they have illegal guns and flyers being like, the group that did the assassination and admitted to it, we know them. Exactly. And that's... They are experts. Yes. And so Joe and Russ are coming home from running these errands. Theoretically, these errands are like printing these leaflets or whatever. They're a couple blocks away. They get pulled over by cops. And I'm not sure why they got pulled over, but eventually they get the, the cops get the ideas, IDs, and they kind of recognize that these people might be connected to something or they might need to be patted down. Sure. And so they try to pull, uh, who is it? Joe, who's in the passenger side, out of the vehicle. Joe has an illegal weapon on him. Of course he does. Yeah, so he's not about to get fucking patted down. Mm. And um, so they go into a shootout at close range. Oh my God. But they're so like nervous, like both Joe and the cop are both so nervous. This is my first time using my stage weapon. (laughs) That they miss. Good, okay. And so. The way you said that, I was like, I think it's safe to make a joke. I think I can joke about this here, okay. Yeah, so Joe, they both miss, no one gets shot. Uh, Joe like takes off. In the meantime, uh, the cop is calling for backup and Russ is arrested. And then Joe eventually also gets arrested. He does not get away. Uh, And Joe's gun, is a Walter PPK. I don't know what that means, but if someone does, (laughs) eight. Uh, But this gun was used in the Foster assassination. Nice, good, okay. Even though he was a getaway driver, like I mentioned previously, he had lent the gun to one of the women to use as the shooter. Um, And so... Does the police not know who was in the SLA at the time? Oh, okay. Yes, we'll kind of get into a little bit of that later. Um, but the guns, so they search the car, the guns are illegal. So that's number point one. number one. Point number two is that the leaflets connect them to the foster assassination. And so they're charged with being shooters in the foster killing right. because they, there's a gun Essentially on them. are. Yeah, exactly. And so they were not the shooters. They were the getaway drivers. And so after this, the SLA needs to go underground because they're like, they're onto us. Um, right. If they like look too deep into either of these guys' backgrounds, they're going to figure out who we are. And so Bill, Emily, and Angela at this point have been too closely associated with the group. And so they can't do that kind of subsidiary thing that they were planning. They're now in the group okay. because now these two men have been arrested and they're like, we're in this, we're going underground. Um, and there's a woman named Camilla Hall who is Ms. Moon's lover. And so she joins them in going underground. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Not involved in any of the crimes, but I'm so sure of this relationship. Let's I go. will leave society with you. Exactly. I just... Why is it so hard for some people and so stupidly easy <laughs> for others? I know! The number of incredible people you and I know collectively who I'm like, how the fuck are you still single? And Miss Moon murderer being like, hey, want to disappear from society? Maybe that's it. Maybe I need to be more whimsical. Mm. Maybe I need more. need to be more whimsical. Be I have, a little more mysterious. I have never once asked a man, hey, do you want to disappear off the radar with me right now? Are you Tyler? <laughs> I did ask someone to be my boyfriend once, and then they uh, stopped talking to me. So, hey. boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Not okay. going to the safe house. Gotcha. <laughs> And so Donald, Ms. Moon, and Nancy are at the Concord house when those two men get arrested. And they realize that they need to abandon that house 
seems dramatic, honestly, a little bit to me. But they have a lot of stuff in that house that they can't, like, run, pack, and leave with. And so they're like, we gotta burn down the house. Why is every decision the most dramatic decision you could make? I can't get patted down, so I need to shoot bullets into the air. Here's the thing. They know where this house is, so burn it down. There's a few things about this whole whole story (laughs) that happened that just go so comically bad that it's like... It's like an Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. I know, it's like, how did you... How did you fuck up this bad? <laughs> um, so they pour 20 gallons of gasoline over like all of the stuff that they need burned. Um, That's like four quarters in I, 1970s gas money. Exactly. And they <laughs> set it on fire. Oh. However. I do feel like one gallon of gasoline would have been enough. 20 feels like excessive overkill. And what is the one thing that a fire needs to continue burning? Oxygen. Yeah. So what happens when you close all the windows in the garage? Oh, <laughs> it, it suffocates it. Yep. Fire they goes put out. out their own fire. They put out their that own. They use 20 gallons of fuel to set. So by the time the... <laughs> <laughs> That's actually like playing it on hard mode. That's I know. so hard. Like, how do you fuck up that bad? Building fires will sometimes blow out windows and stuff. It sucks in oxygen so much. I know. That's hilarious. <laughs> they clo- someone closes the garage door. Fire Why? Goes what out. were they afraid? Someone was going to rob the house they were burning down? I know. <laughs> I know. Well, we should lock up before we leave. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. All of our stuff is here. <laughs> The fire sounds nice. And then like this skedaddle, like, what the fuck? I know they're not experts, but it's shocking at how much they are not experts. It's so, yeah. So they don't want any of those leaflets to be seen by police, so they burn it. But the police get there and everything's exactly how they left it, <laughs> essentially. And, <laughs> Except for like one weird dark spot in the middle of the living yeah, room. Yeah, exactly. Nice. And there's a notebook of the list of people they're considering kidnapping. In, in the in in they, the house. They didn't need to bring that with them. You know what the police fucking do? Oh God! Not warn a single person oh, on shut that the list. Shut the fuck up! Shut up! Nary one. Sh- <laughs> Pray tell. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single one. The police are like, that's interesting. Anyway. <laughs> well, I think they meant to burn this. So let's go ahead and respect their privacy. What? Yes. Exactly. What? Your criminals made a catastrophic mistake and you failed to take advantage of it. One, like, you, how, how is there not so much evidence that you can't immediately identify and nab them or, like, yes. figure out where they're going? But two, how do you not? Someone's been murdered already. I get it if you were like, oh, well, we don't know what this group's about. You do know what this group's about. It's Weird, about violence. Random, intense, local violence. Yes. Their whole mission is like, what if we did unspeakable things within the nine block radius of this house? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Anyway. Oh, my God. So the question is of the SLA group. They don't know that the police found that journal. They also don't know that the police did nothing with it. Um, (laughs) But they're trying to figure out who to kidnap. And in the San Francisco Examiner, one of the newspapers they have, there is an engagement announcement for a one Patricia Campbell Hurst. Patty Hurst. Patty Hurst, baby. And some of you might know where this story is going now. Uh, Some of you might not. So... That's the story. We'll get to some uh, disclaimers in a second. I thought all of this has just been prequel. Prequel and preamble. Yes. Um, There's a joke from Will and Grace. Yes. Where Karen, Mm -hmm. the lifestyle icon visionary, Karen walks in 
and there's this little intern. And Karen goes, honey, I thought we talked about the beret. Patty Hearst couldn't pull it off. And she had money and a gun. It's really <laughs> fucking true, though. <laughs> so real. So I hope that wasn't a spoiler for 17 minutes later from now. No, we'll figure it out. We'll figure I just it don't out. think if you're affiliated with this group, you're not going to not have a gun at some point. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> um, so there's an engagement announcement for Patty Hearst to a man named Steve Weed. Uh, the article, oh I know, it's a whole thing. Say it's that, a whole thing. Say that sentence again. There's an engagement announcement from Patty Hearst, and she's getting engaged to Steve Weed. <laughs> Love finds a way. I feel so bad for this man. <laughs> I will talk about it later. He once. lives in, oh, does something tragic happen to him? No. Okay, He lives in the Bay Area, and his name is Mr. Weed. <laughs> and he was a teacher. Shut up. <laughs> He should have been a used car salesman. Come on down, Mr. Weeds. We'll put they, you in a 1954 Ford. One of my primary sources is a docu-series, and he's interviewed in it. And my heart just goes out to this did man. He, did he stay a teacher? I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so the article that announces... Wait, Patty Hearst marries... No. ...engages to... N- yes, kind of. ...a public school teacher? Not a public school teacher. No. A school teacher? Yes. She's a rich. You think she's teacher. going to a public no, school? No, wait. Yeah. It's oh, I'm sorry. Is it one of her former teachers? Okay. Okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> so the article doesn't say exactly where she lived, but they made it pretty easy to find. So the SLA are like <laughs> pretty aware of where she is, and they are able to track down track down where she is. They're like Patty Hearst, location unknown. We'll have her wedding at Hearst Mansion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, essentially. So the SLA considers the media an enemy of the people, which is, uh, quote, propaganda for the U.S. government. And so if you're wondering how Hearst is an influential person in all of this, Hearst, this is a quote from uh, one of the people in the docuseries. Hearst was really synonymous with big corporations, big media, big media, and outstanding over-the-top wealth. The Hearst family was essentially California royalty. You know how they made all their money, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you want to say it? Just newspapers. Yes. They, like, owned most of California media. Yes, exactly. So William Randolph Hearst is Patricia's grandfather. And by no means is he clawing his way up from the bottom. He does have family money. Like, it's not like her grandfather is the precipice right. of the Hearst family fortune. He wasn't some fortune. Irish immigrant no. who made it happen. And then died because a, a group of people put out a life insurance policy on him, got him drunk, and then killed him. Because his original name was Michael Malloy. <laughs> But he did learn in that instance, a trust can be a really good thing. Exactly. A good way to hide some wealth. (laughs) Um, And so he owns dozens of newspapers and uses them for political and economic power. Orson Welles actually wrote Citizen Kane based on his life story, Hmm. which I did not know. Imagine having uh, a news organization bent entirely on pushing a political agenda that would continue to enrich its owner. I had no idea. That's crazy. Tucker Carlson. <laughs> actually really turning out to be a really nice sub-theme for yeah, this entire really episode. Yeah. It's always fun when we stumble into something like that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so William Randolph Hearst develops Hearst Communications, which is still around today. And their assets as of today include, but are not limited to because the list is very long, uh, smaller newspaper smaller newspapers circulating around the country, such as the New Haven Register, Plainview Daily Herald, which are like local newspapers, larger magazines like Cosmopolitan, HGTV Magazine, (laughs) Esquire, Women's Health, Men's Health, 
Food Network Magazine, O, the Oprah Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, and they also own Whoa. several radio, cable, and television networks. They are major stock owners through Walt Disney, which means they own parts of A&E and ESPN. Oh. Isn't that nuts? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And a little concerning for the state of our information environment. Yep, because they own all of those things. Wow. Isn't that bizarre? I feel like local news is really where like the power is at, They too. own a lot of yeah. lo- local newspapers, yeah. Um, so Pat, that's her grandfather. Um, and Patty's parents are Randy Hurst and Catherine Hurst. Patty was raised closest to a son of the five daughters of, like, the her siblings okay for whatever fucking reason i don't know but um her father would take her hiking hunting fishing shooting oh so she was the favorite she was the tomboy okay i guess um patty was always rebellious from her mother's wants her mother is a southern belle Mm. wanted her to like be a debutante all of this stuff uh patty got kicked out of a few convent schools (laughs) and so she's cool (laughs) just notorious for kind of wanting independence and so patty and her fiance steve weed steve was teaching math and geometry at a small girls school that patty was attending Steve was also teaching guitar lessons. And I don't like it. Yep, Patty attended those, not really to learn guitar, but to get to know Steve. I don't like any part of that. Nope. Patty would always find ways to interact with Steve and eventually just showed up at his house for math tutoring. No. No, yep. no, 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 at no, this no, point, no, no. Steve was 23 and Patty was 16, maybe 15. Obviously, you know what my thoughts are on this. So I'm going to instead add a different color to it. I live in the neighborhood that I teach in. Mm-hmm. I want to hire local companies and contractors whenever I need work done at my house. Yeah. I have to be very careful when hiring companies that right. they don't actively employ one of my current students. Because even to do so by accident would be mortifying to me. There was this kid who I knew was the um, youngest of his siblings, Mm -hmm. was a senior, family owned a landscaping company. And then I looked at him and I go, do you have any cousins that also go to this (laughs) school now? And he goes, no, mister. And I go, okay. He graduated in June. And in like July, I called the company number. Didn't go through the kid. That's yeah, weird. Yeah. Called the company number to have them come do some work. And he was one of the workers. Uh, and that felt better because it was nice to be able to support like a family connected to the school. Yeah, but it's but at weird. the same time was like, this is still a little uncomfortable. And it is completely above board. I even let my administration know. I was like, but hey, like, just so you know, I'm hiring X company and name a former student to do some work at the house just yeah. so that way there's no like shock later and they're like cool I don't know why you told us that and I was like yeah okay I just felt weird about it <laughs> I just really kind of know to make sure everyone knew yeah no I feel that um, and you t- just gotta respect that boundary I'm sorry if you think that no. was overkill on my part but like you just gotta you, you just gotta respect that boundary and to be fair, everyone that's involved in this story kind of seems to agree that Patty is the one who went after that rom- like uh, relationship. And Steve is interviewed in this docuseries, and he's like, I would have never done something like this. And I don't know what... Sure, Steve. Exactly. I mean, he does seem like just like a very sweet gentleman. I'm not like discrediting him by any means, and I don't know what the society was like at this point. But anyway, Mm. both say that she approached him romantically, Patty included, uh, and Steve would not have initiated anything, um, but then became receptive over time. At 18, 
Patty decides to move in with Steve. I hate it so much. I really hate it. She, what, graduates, moves in with Steve, and then in the morning she's like, go have fun teaching all those kids I was just classmates of. I think they both... Also, now you're 25. Yeah. I don't know if he, if she moved into his place or if they both moved to Berkeley. She went to Berkeley um, for, to be an art history major. Um, By Steve's own account, he says that her father was easygoing and okay with it, like would make jokes with him about like her moving in. And the mother was not okay with it. Good, thank you, good, okay, good. But the mother was a Southern belle and like aristocracy, aristocracy in like this- Aristocracy. Aristocracy, thank you. (laughs) I was like, neither of these sound right. Part of me was like, do I say it? Do I say this is my job? Aristocracy. (laughs) Aristocracy. She's part of like, she's a Southern belle, she's part of the aristocracy and she's been kind of trained to like keep everything cool. Stifle her emotions. Yes, and so Mm. she, Steve in the interview says like, yeah, no, like, she was definitely not cool with it, but, like, she wasn't going to tell me that. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Um, and so Patty and Steve get engaged and announce it in the San Francisco Examiner, which her father owns, or mm. her grandfather, I t- think, technically, at this point. Um, and both of them have no interest in politics prior to the events that are about to happen. And Steve says this a lot in interviews, like, even while she was... Um, kidnapped. He's like, honestly, we try to stay as far away from the law as possible. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm 25. Um, oh, yeah. wow. And so he says this a lot to protect Patty of like, because there's rumors saying that she would took part in her own kidnapping. Mm. And so he says this kind of as like, no, neither of us were like revolutionaries just because we lived in Berkeley. Right, um, she was literally going to school. She was going to school, and that's it. And um, but yeah. Um, so now we're gonna get to the kidnapping, which we've alluded to. Um, and it and happens. Probably, if you know anything about Patty Hearst, it's the that she gets kidnapped. Yeah, and I'm not gonna go into the nitty gritty details. I could tell you like the play by play of exactly what happens <laughs> from the Steve's perspective, from the SLA's perspective. Um, which can I say is brave? Because there has been a couple moments during tonight's episode where I've smiled, and I'm like, I know that Maya and I. Will We'll continue to do this as long as we are physically able because there's no other environment where Maya could get someone to sit down and listen for three hours about everything she's just learned about Patty Hearst. I tried with Casey like two minutes ago. It didn't go well. And I love it. And so there's this moment too where I was like, look at us. The only two the only two real listeners that really matter is the person who's like, let me tell you everything about the documentary I started I just watched at it. 11 8 or like 11 p.m. on a work night. But he has a missing foot and it's really interesting. It is. It's always, especially the missing foot. Come always on. interesting. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to tell you the nitty gritty details of the kidnapping just because I don't think it's super necessary to the story and I find some of the other things more interesting. Uh, and this is going to be a long episode. So <laughs> we're kind of skipping over that. Uh, the SLA manages to kidnap Patty. That's what you need to know. Steve Where? Weed at her house. Ooh. Steve Weed is there. Oh, he gets he get he's pretty rough in rough shape out of this. I think he spends about no, they a week beat in the, the hospital. Crap out of him, yes. right? Yep. Okay. Um, they make it out with Patty for the most part, um, without a hitch, for the most part. One of the things that happens, there's a few little like funny hiccups here and there. Um, funny as in like hindsight of like a decade. Sure. Um, but. As they're leaving... With Patty. With Patty, okay. there's three cars. Patty is in the trunk of the middle car. 
and there's some like onlookers, some like nosy people. Yeah. That are like on Watching patios. Watching a home abduction. I don't know if they saw the home abduction. They said her door is kind of in an alley, so there's no way to really see what's going on inside the house. It's kind of crazy that a person who's absolutely an heiress would yes. have a door in the alley. Exactly. I mean, like very humanizing. I get it. Yeah. She's fallen in love with a school teacher. Mm-hmm. We can provide a stable, but not necessarily luxurious life. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, is that what it says on your dating app profile? <laughs> I don't want to talk about what it says on your dating app profile. Um, and so uh, they have to, they feel the need to fire off a few rounds. They don't hurt anyone. They don't kill anyone. It's mostly to scare. They just love their guns. They really, really do. Pow, pow, pow. Get out of here. And don't. they have a little shirt that says bisexual on it. Pew, Exactly. Um, and so... As they're leaving, there is a cop car kind of passing them, and okay. they're like, oh, fuck, they're probably responding to the gunfire in this suburban neighborhood. The SLA is like, they're probably responding to the yes. gunfire. Okay. Um, and so Patty's in the middle car. The cop kind of like waves down the front car to stop them, and they're stopped kind of driver's side window to driver's side window in such a way that the the two cars behind, the two SLA cars behind, cannot pass. Okay. Um, and so everyone's kind of panicking. They're like, oh, fuck, they're about to interrogate us about this gunfire, and we have a kidnap victim right. in our trunk. Right. Um, also, like, basically a child still. Yes. And uh, the cop just stopped them to let them know that their headlights were off in the front. It actually makes you wonder what they paid cops for in this town if they aren't doing anything. I think what happened is that it was too soon after the gunfire because okay. um, they hadn't been reported Bill yet. Bill okay. saw he I think he was driving the the getaway the one with Patty in it or maybe the one in, in the back but he says as the cop was passing him he saw the cop respond to something oh, and that okay. was probably the reports of the gunfire but okay. it was like That does justify it a little bit. Yes, it was like narrowly missing. I okay. think Bill in the documentary said it was like maybe 30 seconds after the gunfire had gone off or ended. Okay. And so it would have been a really quick response time if the cops were like, "Hey, there was gunfire." It's here. just after you miss a list of people to kidnap and do nothing with it, you're you're going to be scrutinized a little bit moving forward. There's something so funny later that I And I'm regularly not perfect at my job, but I think I'd pick up on that. Yeah, like, oh, these lists of potential kidnap victims that are all rich-ass people? Maybe we should warn them. All these sensible people to kidnap? Yeah, exactly. Who would you kidnap here in Denver? Some influencer, probably. (laughs) Also Lydia. I would kidnap Jacob. Let's be honest. If I kidnap Lydia, Jacob would take way too long to respond. Um, No, if you kidnap Jacob, he'd be like, thank you for the solitary confinement. But Lydia would be on it. True, she would find him instantly. Yeah, she would be on it. Okay, so. They love each other. They do. Um, At this point, though. We're, we're in the story. Patty Hearst has been kidnapped. That is what today's story is. It's going to be how Patty Hearst is lost and then found. We are officially an hour into this yeah, episode. And we're like, and that brings us to today's episode. Hell lost yeah. and found. Um, and so. Wait, is this your Agatha Christie story? Maybe. The losing and then finding of Patty Hearst? I fucking love that. It's, I really do. It's about how Patty Hearst is lost and found, but it's also how Patty loses herself and finds her. I am so excited for how carefree I now get to be that it's a lost and found episode about how a misunderstood woman <laughs> in the past needs her reputation updated. Ooh. I just said updated, not defended. Yeah, okay. Just d- fleshed out a little bit more. Is that maybe a better way of saying Maybe. it or I don't know I'm... is it Steve Weed Hurst 
<laughs> okay, so, so divorce is on the agenda. No. Oh. Babe, there's so much. Wait, is Patty Hearst dead? No, she's still alive. Oh, okay. So really? I actually don't know what part of that would have shocked me more. Oh, no, she's not at <laughs> all associated with Steve Weed anymore. I had to tell a friend last night that Donald Sutherland, the actor, oh, no. is still alive. Oh, no. Yeah. And they were like, no, he's not. And I go, everything on the internet seems to think he still is. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> cool. wrong about that one. <laughs> okay. okay, so talk to me about Patty Hearst and her life, which apparently really starts in the trunk of a car. Yes. Okay. So um, I had previously asked Grant about if like SLA means anything to him. And he said, I think Patty Hearst kidnapped and uh, what did you say? Stockholm syndrome. Yes, uh, and I was like, "Oh, okay, never mind. You, you know nothing. You know nothing uh, before." <laughs> and so, hopefully, I'm hoping if you know about the story um, even a little bit, you'll also learn a little something because I sure fucking did. And um, it's I'm gonna make a lot of disclaimers before I start the story because <laughs> okay. I my primary source was a six part docu series that originally aired on CNN and it is now available on HBO. It's called The Radical Story of Patty Hearst, and I had started it before Grant even really Named. told me. What the, what the, the theme, theme was. was, and I look down at my phone, see Lost and Found, and look up at the screen and go, oh. <laughs> I actually think I'm at work at this moment, yeah. and I get a text message back, cool, cool. And I was like, <laughs> nice, okay, cool, I think we're, I think we're good yes. to go. So the important thing to note about this docuseries is Patty is not interviewed in it, and that's really important because she is alive. Right. And she could easily be interviewed. Right. Um, but... One of the primary docu-series sources is a man named Jeffrey Tubin, who wrote a book called American Heiress. And I'm gonna try and do a good job of kind of remaining in good. the middle I'm glad here. You're gonna do a good job. Um, <laughs> it was a slow tour. Cut the episode, and you guys can just watch the documentary. Bye. Um, but that is why this episode is going to be so long because there are the so many nuances that sure. I don't want to leave anything out and leave our listeners thinking one way or the other. When you, I don't blame anyone for thinking one way or the other. I think anyone who listens to this story, sees all the details, can come out of it believing one thing or um, like the other side of that. But I think there's a lot of this story that gets left out in what most people remember about it. And I think those details are really important. And so, yeah, you're getting a long episode today. I'm excited about this. I'm also really excited because you've hit on like eight of our vocab words so far. <laughs> <laughs> nice. In class. Nice. Nuance is a really tough word to teach kids. Mm. That's fair. It's a tough <laughs> word to teach me. Um, so Aristocracy. So I'm going to read some quotes um, right now from... Tubin, the author of American Heiress, uh, and then also uh, Patty Hearst uh, okay. in response to the release of this docuseries because she declined interview multiple times. Everyone in the Hearst family did. Uh, and there was a lot of questions about it. Fox was supposed to make a um, BIPOC about it, and they canceled that after these statements came out from Patty Hearst. Okay. Um, and so this is a quote. I'm not, I didn't write down what news sources these were from, but I have them all listed in my sources if you guys want to look. Uh, she says, uh, she also offered details on spurning Tubin's request for cooperation on his book, adding, as hard as it was to do, I have grown well past the 19-year-old me and gone mm. on to become a proud wife, mother, and grandmother. I have no interest in revisiting such violent and hurtful times in my life. Hmm. Um, this is another quote from the news healthy series. healthy and healed. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Uh, what's notably missing is an interview with Hearst herself, who on January 11th released a statement decrying the documentary, the one that I watched, uh, Tubin's book, and a planned film based on the book, 20th Century Fox promptly canceled the movie, citing the Me Too movement. I think this article is 2018-ish. Okay. Uh, she called out Tubin directly, objecting to him using one of her kidnappers as a source, uh, mm. Bill Harris. Okay. Trivializing her experience and sending her what she described an arrogant interview request. Quote, it was offensive to me that a man would have the audacity to tell a woman that she would have, tell a woman that he would have the last word on her trauma, Hearst mm. wrote. Prior to the release of Hearst's statement, Tubin spoke with Rolling Stone about the documentary and why he decided to move forward in telling Hearst's story without her approval. Uh, and then here are some quotes. I think this part comes from Rolling Stone. Uh, these are questions that the interviewer asked Tubin, followed by his answers. Uh, <laughs> so they ask her um, kind of what her response was to not being interviewed. And he said, essentially, like, she just made it clear that she didn't want to talk to me. And yeah, that statement seems pretty uninterested. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so she and then the follow up question is interesting because she has been interviewed in recent years, which is true. She has been interviewed a lot oh, about really? this, a lot huh. about this particular story. And so I totally understand her being like, now that I'm like grown, I don't want to talk about it. And like, this is the moment that I'm choosing to not talk about it. Right. But it's also weird for her to be like, well, I was, a, I was doing it six months ago, but I'm not doing it now. Yeah. It might've been a couple years, but like okay. still. And so, uh, they say interesting because she has been interviewed in recent years and Tubin responds. Yeah. Many times by people who are not terribly familiar with the facts and who allow her to give her version of the story without bringing up more comfortable parts of it. Okay. More so uncomfortable he, parts of it. He's like, she doesn't want to have an interview with me because I'm going to really grill her. That's, I think what he's trying to Feels say. He's a little self-serving. I'm not going to lie. It does. It really does. But if you watch some of the interviews, you kind of see that. It's sure. like, well, how did you feel? Right. And like, that's totally fair. I'm not discrediting that at all. But it is like, I see his point. Um, and then they ask, do you think that somehow you've ticked her off? How did you approach her? I wrote her letters. I sent her emails. I called her. I don't want to speak to her, <laughs> but I think I have a reputation as a thorough... I don't want, yeah. I don't want to speak for her. Oh, okay. Sorry. I don't want to speak for her. I was like, you her. very much do want to speak to yeah. her. <laughs> I don't want to speak for her, but I think I have a reputation as a thorough journalist, and I think she recognized that a thorough and fair examination would not necessarily be something she was looking forward to. Mm. And then they ask, were you concerned about going forward without her input? And he says, um, the good news is she has a book, which she does. She released um, a couple years after um, all of this happens. She has many interviews. I would have felt bad if I didn't have her perspective on these events, but I did um, because of all the interviews oh, and sure. quotes from her book. He's like, I pulled source material. Yes, and so I felt like I could approach the subject fairly. Um, and in the docu-series, which is kind of based off the book, but is obviously like its own telling, uh, you can tell, like, Patty Hearst is not silent by any means. Okay. She has, there are lots of clips pulled from her interviews. There are quotes pulled from her books. They talk to um, sociology and psychology experts. They talk to um, like people who were there. They talk to like FBI agents and they talk to a lot of people. The notable one is not Patty Hearst. And I want to make that very clear that my primary source for this episode 
was a primary source that did not have Patty Hearst in okay. it. And so that might be where a bias is coming from and that they one of the primary sources was a former SLA ma member. And I think he provides some valuable insight, but you can tell in some of the questions that he's asked and his responses that he is not like, I don't know that he's being fair in some of his questions and I don't know if he's trying to avoid admitting, he admits to a lot, he okay. does. He admits that like, that was batshit crazy. I sh we shouldn't have done that. I didn't agree with this, but I was overruled and all this stuff. But it it is kind of notable that they talk to um, those, those people and not Patty. Hmm. But I do think a lot of these details are really, really crucial in kind of understanding the whole of the story and where it goes from here. And I do think there are a lot of nuances that neither side, neither, neither polar opposite of this side is gonna be right. And those of you who don't know the Patty Hearst story are probably super fucking confused right I'm now. I'm very confused. I'm like, what are the sides? I don't understand. Yes. Um, there are a lot of nuances that I've talked through Casey with about being like, I think I believe her on this, but like, I don't know if I believe her on this. And Casey's like, I have no idea what, what you're talking, you're talking about. about. So we'll get into it. Okay. Um, I'm gonna change the battery on the camera really quick. Okay. And then we'll continue. And you were coming at me like I never sent it to you. I just didn't see it. Uh-huh. That's not the same thing. One of them is my fault, one of them is your fault. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I actually do think you would be an okay teacher. I think the first couple years would be rough, but when I mean speaking from year nine. Things really start to fall into place. <laughs> Listen, they put me in charge of the 12-year-old boys for a reason. Uh, and that was because I'm mean. Uh, so if that's all it takes, I think I can do it. I love being mean. Okay. Back to it? Back to it. I think so. Are we recording again? Yep. We are. So Casey. Oh, Jesus. Any thoughts? Well. Patty Hurst. The several times I've talked at you about her. <laughs> the answer is yes. Okay, cool. But I don't know how far in the story you are, so I'm not going to say. Okay, but also you need to leave because we do have about four more hours. Shut up, for reals. Okay. I, I'm thinking that maybe we do make it a two-parter because... Really? I think so. I okay. think I'm going to get to... Uh, there's a big thing that happens. Is this going to be the first four-episode arc? No, it'll be the first two-episode arc if we do that. Sorry, first four-episode theme. No, I, I would think if we did two... Uh, Two episodes for this, it would we would just not do the Am I the Asshole. Sweet. Cool. Yeah. Dope. Cool. I have thoughts. We can talk off air if okay. you want. Or we can just cut it now. I don't know how much of this is staying. No. Um, I was actually thinking uh, sometime for one of those, for the like fun little third episode thing, sometimes... Am I leaving or am I supposed to hear You can stay for a second. I think this is business hour. Um, sometimes there's a story that I'm like, oh, this would be fun to talk about, but I can't get like a full episode out of it. And I've been thinking about sometimes Ooh. like doing that for episode three. Do like minisodes? Three. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Not necessarily calling it a minisode because we do want them to download it and drive those download numbers. Um, no, yeah, but, but like, like just like little. The grab bag of, of things that almost made it. Instead of am I the assholes, <laughs> just like smaller. Right, stories. 100%. Yeah, I like that. Goodbye. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. We we didn't never said you had to stay. We just said you didn't need to leave. And I quote, "You can stay. I think this is a business hour." That's and I what value he said. He said you can stay, not stay, please. I want you to stay, Sam Smith. Well, do you think that's a good idea, or I think it's great. Idea. Do we look good on camera? You look fabulous. 
amazing. He doesn't look. He doesn't know. I know. I can tell when the kids are lying. <laughs> it is yeah. facing us. because we can. So Hello, we can well, tell. We actually do. Listen, if uh, I think I'm going to probably shut, maybe you actually work. This now needs to stay. What I'm about to say, okay. uh, where I think I'm going to be shutting down the dating apps here soon. Woo! You know, I actually need to make this crucial decision. Um, I know how I said that. Yeah, I know. I need to make this crucial was, decision. The longer you paused, <laughs> the more I went back and forth without bringing it up. Aristocracy, Grant. Aristocracy. <laughs> um, fuck. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I need to make a crucial decision here soon. Legitimate speech impediment. Um, if I'm going to shut down the dating apps or not. Over the holidays, mm. are we gonna relaunch in like January, February, or are we gonna kind of bottom troll with a fishnet mm. everyone who's sad over the holidays? Because let me tell you, and maybe this isn't the right place for it, you're wanting to hear more about Patty Hearst. <laughs> Maya will decide. <laughs> I uh, love my brother and I love my sister in law, mm-hmm. and I'm very happy and content with my life and the people who are in it. And have been in it and are no longer casts, mm. you know, got yeah. killed off, you know. Um, <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you want to see how low your standards will go, get on a dating app December 23rd after returning home from your brother's engagement. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's gotta hurt. Listen, thrill to death. Absolutely joyous, and in a way I had never really experienced before or since. Trapped animal sinking ship. I was looking for a life vest. And then I woke up the next morning and was like, oh my god, who was I? (laughs) I need to walk so much back. And everyone's wonderful, but not everyone's right for me. No, that's fair. And right. I need to apologize to myself for I'm putting to make me in a, a joke, position. But I feel like I need to cut it. No, say it. Say, say the it. joke. If you say it, I need you know to hear You know how it. my re- mom responded to finding out I was engaged? Okay, go ahead. No. Cut contact. <laughs> Not in so many words. <laughs> I might keep that. That'll be hard enough for her to find if she ever becomes friends with me again. Uh... And happy. That's buried. That's buried pretty deep down. Well, because you know what my parents have been saying now for years. Mm. You know, Grant, you're welcome to bring someone home for Thanksgiving. I know. And I'm like, thank you so much. I actually like. That's okay. So I already knew that because I'm like I'm definitely the kind of person that if I want it, I was gonna fight for it and like mm-hmm. you know yeah. not afraid to make a scene over some stuff. We know. I just never cared about someone enough to want to make a scene for him. It's also weird. Got close once. It's weird to bring a significant other to Thanksgiving. That's Mm -hmm. like a whole thing. You know, because it's like, oftentimes it's not even just a dinner. It's like, you spend the night, it becomes this whole like event, and then it's like a lot more. Right. And then your family asks, especially your extended family that meets them, asks for the next like five years when they're coming back. Right. And it's like, and oh don't. no, they, they didn't make oh, it, they didn't no. make like, it Valentine's you, you Day. You need to make it like, yeah. at least a year. I think Casey, Casey and I started dating in October and I don't think I like really met his family until that next Thanksgiving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, cause also it's like, if I'm bringing someone to Thanksgiving, 
that now is competing with what they could have been doing for their Thanksgiving, Ooh, yeah. mm-hmm. or they didn't have a really good Thanksgiving, and now they really need to rely on your connection yeah. to get them through this like joyous family event. Which is weird, right? Which mm-hmm. is especially if that's not especially what you had. Especially if it's a new relationship, because yes. now now that this whole thing with my family is like new-ish, I guess, where I'm not talking to them. It's like, it's nice for me and Casey to, like, have that established relationship where he can be like, hey, you're with my very happy, stable, like, healthy family. Right. How are you? Right, how are you doing Yeah, Yeah. but you can't do that with, like, someone that, like, you're new with. No, 100%. Someone that you're new with, someone that you can't be super communicative about, things like that. Even if you do have a healthy relationship with your family, entering Mm -hmm. into a new family, you're into a brand new ecosystem. Mm -hmm. My favorite joke, and I'm going to be able to make it here in about 10 days, (laughs) is whenever I go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas, I'll stay for like five, six, seven days. I love my family. I'm very blessed that we all get along so well, that they're so wonderful. Um, And I have the time off, right? Because I'm a school teacher. So I have the whole break. And I show up in the middle of conversations that started before Mm. I got there and will not resolve until after I leave. Oh, that's... And it's never anything too intense, but it's always like... I'll be like, oh, is this lasagna? Can I eat this for lunch? And I'll hear someone be like, oh, I don't know. Is the lasagna (laughs) available? And I'm like, okay, so no... No, okay, I won't touch the lasagna. <laughs> and that's, it's never been actually a fight about lasagna, yeah. but it's in one of those no, things, yeah, yeah. you know? Or it's never it's, a fight about the right. lasagna. Oh, but it's always like, oh, what what landmine was that? And how was I supposed to possibly know that that was a thing? I feel like me and Casey are so bad about that. Like, any one of our friends will bring up some random ass little thing and we'll just gaze, snap to each other and be like, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> like with the cube rule. Yes, yes. As I had to say on Discord yeah. yesterday, as someone who was in the studio when Cube Rule was discussed, mm. we could not do an episode about it, let alone a full three-part series on it. I would lose it. my shit. I think uh, we'd lose the podcast. Yeah. Okay, so we're back to Patty Hearst. We right, just, yes, Patty Hearst. We just left off where I read some things um, from Tubin and Hearst. A couple sides to this, yeah. Yes, about talking about like kind of the dichotomy of the story and where people fall today. And uh, she had just been kidnapped, so we're gonna hop back into the story, back to the 70s, okay. after Patty Hearst is kidnapped. Um, so the story of the kidnapping breaks. And cops understand that this kidnapping was too well organized to be spur of the moment. I didn't give you the nitty gritty of like how the kidnapping happened, but it was relatively efficient. Like they okay. knew who was going in, who was doing what, and then coming back out, like who was driving what car, where Patty was going. Like it was, it was snap. It wasn't like this house looks rich. Let's kidnap someone sure, out of sure, it. Sure, you sure. know, like they knew what they were doing. And so they had found the getaway car, one of the getaway cars abandoned and it had been stolen. So it wasn't a lead. Mm. They couldn't track it to a uh, address. And Berkeley had a small police force at this time. So they had to call in reinforcements from the FBI. Ooh, everything's going to get solved now. No. <laughs> I- Joking, 100%. Yes. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, turns out they're not good at their jobs either, but um, we'll get to that. Uh, so the Hearst, I was about to say so many wrong but funny things. I know, I know. I have... If we were at a house party and not on our podcast, I might say something. If we were on Patreon, I yeah. might say something. Yes. But anyways, the FBI gets called the in. The FBI gets called in, and Steve Weed, her fiancé, has has to spend like a, a week in the hospital after mm. the kidnapping. And by the time he shows up to the Hearst family mansion in Hillsborough, 
Um, the FBI has already set up shop in the Hearst family home. And there, here's a quote. I'm not sure if it was from Steve or if it was from uh, the author, Tubin. It says, it's a measure of the influence of the Hearst family that they don't go to the FBI. The FBI goes uh, to them. Okay. Yeah. And so a few days later, a communique gets sent out from the SLA. And it is a letter confirming that they have Patty. And I believe it's uh, post, post-dated um, the day after the kidnapping happened. So February 5th. This communication was required to be read by... Uh, someone to the media. And so it was read by her father on, yeah, a uh, press release outside of his house to the media. And they, the SLA mentioned that they wanted it read everywhere. And Bill, one of the members of the SLA, Bill uh, Harris says the hostage was not just Patty Hearst. The whole media was the hostage. And Bill at this point even admits that the communiques were crazy. He says, this was like absolutely batshit nuts. We sent these absolutely insane statements and just made people read them on the news. Was he like, we intentionally wanted them to be insane? Or it's like, in, in hindsight, hindsight, we were like, okay, so that was insane. a bit dramatic. I think in hindsight, he spent some time in prison, if that gives you any indication of where this is going. We had a kid yesterday come in, just like everything in the world was melting down around them. And today they were like, my family... Like, I can't walk into a single room without them asking me if I'm okay. And I'm like, um, is that, that exactly what you wanted yesterday? That also is a, is a great thing for your family to do. I don't want to get into too many details <laughs> about this whole thing, but the, the real message of that story was, okay, so we were being a little dramatic and just aren't willing to, like, fess up to it yet. It's fine. That's me. That's me. No, I am that student. <laughs> um, and the way that they ended this communique is, and I believe they ended a lot of the communiques this way, and they say, death to the fascist insect that preys upon the life of the people. Yes, but w- much like the Unabomber, what do you what? mean? <laughs> what what do you mean? mean? <laughs> yes. Like, some really interesting points, absolutely. But, like, if I could get a bit more context. Yes. So, the SLA has Patty Hearst. Um, now what? No, like, now what? Mm. <laughs> um, we know they don't kill her. Which is good. Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know the Patty Hearst story, she is still alive today. Wait, hold on. Gorilla Theater? <laughs> <laughs> they replay the kidnapping. When in doubt, force people at the supermarket to see you perform. Maybe. Um, so they don't know what they want. Wait, so they thought all the way through yeah. how to kidnap her. Yeah. And then and now that they had her, they They're were like, like, oh shit. Much like Nebraska football once it gets the ball. What are we supposed to do with it? (laughs) We're like, we have a lot of power now. (laughs) Fuck, how do we use it? (laughs) And so they know that they... People are actually listening to us (laughs) Oh, fuck. Um, So the real reason that they... That kind of the catalyst for them pulling the trigger and... uh, That was a bad turn of phrase. uh, (laughs) Doing Mm. the thing and getting Patty Hearst is that they were mad that Joe Ramiro and Russ Little got arrested for crimes that they did not commit. They were part in it, but they did not actually kill Marcus Foster. And so the message that they kind of wanted to send is that Patty Hearst is now our prisoner and we will treat her like you are supposed to treat Russ Little and Joe Ramiro. Okay. Um, Kind of implying that they know the prison system will not treat them that well, but they're saying like, we want 
our two members back and we have someone that the community values. However, they know that they can't just ask for a trade because why? Nixon's president. That's why. Uh, and the governor of California is... Jerry Brown. Reagan. Oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, okay, I have a guess. Reagan, obviously, that makes sense now. Uh, And so Reagan, when asked by a journalist if he would consider releasing the two prisoners to free Patty, says, quote, no, because I think if you start doing anything of that kind, you might as well open up the prison doors. Where would it stop? You would just have signed a warrant if you did that. That would make kidnapping a common occupation. Like, yes, but no. I'm not going to say anything that says I agree with Reagan, but yeah, I don't think you should negotiate with terrorists mm-hmm. in most situations either. You're right. Is that a straw man argument? Maybe. But, um... Wow, that's a debate term. Good for you. Did I use it right? Yeah, you did. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least I think. I really do specialize more in this speech Immediately set of after I said it, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out in a month if we got it wrong. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. It's either that or another one, which I can't think of right now, but we're not going to Because this is what airing the week after Thanksgiving, right? Yes, I think Welcome. So. Hi. Hello. I hope you've decompressed from that family time. And ate a lot of mashed potatoes because I know I have. And if you want to see some fun new recipes for that turkey, check out Cocktails with Casey and other snacks available on YouTube. <laughs> we hope. Casey's the snack. <laughs> um, okay, Kidding. so Patty Hearst has been kidnapped as of February 4th. And February 12th, a communique is released from the SLA. And this is in the form of a tape, which I'm going to play now. We're gonna Before play. we get this started, I need to start pulling in audio files. Oh, it's so good. Um, so this is the first communique where Patty is speaking. Mom, Dad, I'm okay. Um, I I had a few scrapes and stuff, but um, they've washed them up and they're getting okay. And I've caught a cold, but they're giving me pills for it, and so. I'm not being starved or beaten or unnecessarily frightened. So it is like a 12-minute communique. Um, I think at the end, Donald DeFreeze might say something. I'm not 100% sure. She sounds like she's from the 70s. Like, I don't mean the audiophile. I mean like that the voice. tone, that mm-hmm. voice, that can't, like that pace. Yes. yes. She also sounds terrified. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like you can tell in like the way she's speaking, it's like quiet, it's very soft-spoken, there's a lot of pauses between yeah. her words, she doesn't sound, um, I don't know, like she's herself, and I don't even know what herself sounds like, but I know that that doesn't seem like it. Um, and per Bill Harris, one of the members of the SLA at the time, he, she says that she was essentially told what to say by Donald DeFries. Right. Like he, he didn't give her a script, but he said like, these are the bullet points that you need to make clear, here they are, go. Oh. And so it was like basically like, I'm okay, I'm not hurt. Um, Is that true? Is she actually okay and not hurt at the time? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's not hurt. Uh, and so DeFreeze told her the list of what needs to be said, and she did the talking and filled in the blank. She's like, it, it is all her own words. Okay. It's not like he wrote down everything to say for her. Donald DeFreeze, whose nickname is Sinkyu, which we will get into. Sinkyu? Sinkyu. It's spelled C-I-N-Q-U-E. C-I-N-Q-U-E. But it's pronounced Sinkyu. Okay. 
um, also speaks on the tape towards the end, and he gives their demands. This is after they've decided what their ransom, okay. quote-unquote, will be for Patty. And he demands a, quote, good-faith gesture from the Hearst family. This... Uh, this is a quote from Donald DeFries. He says, quote, before any form of negotiation for the release of the subject prison can, prisoner can be initiated that an action of good faith be shown on the part of the Hearst family. This gesture is to be in the form of food to the needy and the unemployed and to which the following instructions are directed to be followed to the letter. And they basically instruct the Hearst family to give $70 of food to every poor or and needy person in California. Like basically anyone that says I need help, they have to give $70, $70? worth of food in the 4 week period beginning Feb, Feb, beginning Feb, Oh my god. Beginning February 19th. And this communique is kind of meant to be theatrical. Okay. It's kind of instigated by the theater kids, as we've talked about, <laughs> of the group. Um, it does feel like a child's understanding of charity. It's also a child's understanding of the Hearst family fortune mm. and, like, how much money is. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so at February 13th, the next day, Randy, her father, responds to the ransom in a press statement. And... At first glance, like, this is the first response he sends. He's like, yeah, fucking absolutely. We'll do anything to right, get my to get daughter, daughter back. back. Um, after further investigation and, like, looking into what that actually entails, $70 in 1974 is just over $400 oh, today. Oh, my God. This in total, considering Jesus. about how many people are, like, below poverty level, yeah. like, homeless, that would have been a $400 billion demand in 1974, which would have been 2.5 trillion today. Okay, so, so like, no. like they're rich, but they're not like that rich. That rich. Right. Yeah, so they can't buy California. Yeah, it seems like the SLA just like picked a number out of yeah. thin air and then were so like, really do that. A child's understanding of poverty. Really, and so um, on February 18th, which is a few days later, Randy then makes a press statement again, saying that like this is beyond our scope. Um, but we'll arrange for, quote, $2 million to be delivered to a tax-exempt chari charitable organization capable of making a distribution for the benefit of the poor and needy. $2 million in 1974 is $12.5 today. That's quite a bit of That's money. A That's a ton, ton of, money. of money. Yeah. And a completely successful kidnapping. Yes. I mean, not that you should encourage that, but if you are using a rubric. Well, we'll get there. Okay. Um, so the Hearst family reaches out to a program in Washington. I believe it's called the PIN Program. Um, and they seem to have expertise in the area of like distributing food to needy people. I okay. didn't do a ton of research into it, but then they're moving within 24 hours of the second press statement. So February like the 18th, family the Hearst family and this new program, like the charitable organization they picked, um, are moving within 24 hours of getting food into the Bay and like finding ways to distribute it. Wow. Yeah. So cut to now while they're organizing all of that, we're going to talk about Patty in captivity for a little bit. She has been kidnapped. She's terrified, obviously. Right. She's kind of lived a life of luxury, and now she's taken, literally tied up, thrown fireman style over a strange man's shoulder, put into a trunk, oh my God. and taken to a new strange place. No guarantee she's going to survive No experience. guarantee she's going to survive. She's terrified. You heard her in that communique. She doesn't sound right. Um, she's put into a closet, a literal closet, and blindfolded, uh, interrogated, and insulted. 
Um, whenever she was not insulted, I don't know what that means. It's okay. just kind of what they said. It doesn't really insulted, not assaulted. Yes. No. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it. Um, whenever she was blind, she was not blindfolded. The SLA members wore ski masks. Uh, they were not anticipating for keeping her for very long. Okay. So they did not want their identities known by her. And so she was either wearing a blindfold or they were wearing ski masks to keep that concealed. Um, she was essentially told that no one on the outside cared about her, that her family didn't care about her. Oh, because she doesn't have access to any of it. She doesn't have access to any of it. She also, it does take a, a few days for her family to like respond. And so even if she did have access to the media at this point, like there is nothing saying otherwise. Right. Um, so not the media, not the cops, nobody cares about her. Uh, and I think this is from the PhD professor emerita of sociology, Jenga, Jenga, okay. J-A-N-G-A, uh, Lilac. I want to say. Um, she was an SME, a subject matter expert interviewed in the docuseries. Um, and it's, she says, quote, if we think about Patty in the situation, she's being bombarded by this group of individuals who are hardcore, dedicated Marxist revolutionaries. Mm. And she's going to be so vulnerable to whatever is being fed to her that it's really going to be hard for her to process that in any kind of rational way. Which is so real, like you're being taken away from everything that you right. know and being told something new. And so she does begin to interact with her captors as right. one does, right? And so if anything to like humanize yourself and try to like make it harder for, for them, them to them hurt to you or do anything you. nefarious. Yes. yes exactly. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that a little bit later too. Um at first she was so afraid to eat, thinking that the SLA mm. would poison her, that Angela Atwood, who was I think one of the three members of the SLA charged with like her care like even took the bowl that she refused to eat from her, ate it in front of her saying like, look, it's not poison, you right. need to eat. Right. And like eat gave this. it to her. And so um, that kind of led to her trusting them a little bit. And she, while she's in the closet, she is indoctrinated. She was given a flashlight and some of their background info, like some texts and stuff that they had based reading material? It. Yes. Okay. Uh, and she was kind of told to study and to recite them. And she would also read from their doctrines. It's also good to note at this point that the SLA doesn't believe in monogamy. <laughs> it's one of they never do, especially and, in the seventies. Especially in the seventies. In 70s. a way that I can't vocalize. I knew it was coming, but I didn't mm -hmm. know it was coming. But I knew it was coming, and maybe it's because they already knew it, even though I didn't know it. Because mm -hmm. when you're win-win-winning, well, then you're win-win-winning. Win, 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 winning. Winning. But exactly. if you're win-winning, you're That's only win-win. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so everyone, oh, of course, they don't believe in monogamy. <laughs> Why would you believe in something so uh, benign as an institution? when you could believe in something as free-flowing exactly. as money. <laughs> exactly. And so everyone kind of had relationships with each other, like, whenever they wanted. It wasn't like... Because Bill and Emily Harris are the only two that are kind of married, but even Bill, when he's interviewed, is like, yeah, we didn't, like, care. Like, we're married because mm. we're married, but if Emily wanted to go do whatever... I think at the end of this, Emily actually ends up with a female partner. Like, Bill oh, and Emily at the end of all of this I was just about divorced. to ask, is it queer or else I'm not going to be interested? They're queer. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> plenty of queer members. Ms. Moon and Camilla Hall right, are queer. Right, that's so true. Yeah, and so she's being told for the first time at this point that she is, uh, or not that she is, but that the upper class is selfish and that she, as a woman, is not a second class citizen and therefore should not be treated as such. Okay. And she kind of has been her entire life, right? Sure. Like she is like technically- Treated like a son. Treated like a son, but like she has five like siblings that are all women. Uh, and at this point, communique number three is released. This is February 16th. 
Um, yeah, so this is shortly before uh, her father uh, comes out and says, we'll give two mil- or two million instead. Okay. So this is the third communique, February 16th. And this is where she kind of makes it clear that the good faith gesture is really important to her safety and her release and kind of urges them to do the things that they're saying. Because Randy's help right now. Yeah. Randy has said, like, we'll do it and then hasn't really said anything until like two days after this saying, like, okay, I can't do that, but I'll do this. Right. You know? Uh, And then (laughs) she mentions that it's important to the SLA that she returns home safely. Like, that, she makes it clear that the SLA cares about her safety. They're not interested in harming her. And the end goal for them is her alive back home. Yes. Um, but she also kind of calls out her mom in some of this because her mom... <laughs> what? Her mom has been wearing a black dress since she's been kidnapped and, like, mourning her. Sure. And Steve has been interviewed at this point, and Steve says, like, yeah, her mom would, like, kind of lose her shit every once in a while and be like, Patty's never coming back to us. She's dead. She's dead. That's an absolute trauma response, though. Like, Absolutely. I, 100%. I wear gray when I feel sad in the morning from a tummy ache. Exactly. Like, wear what you want, girl. Exactly. I, I get it, but also, like, Patty being like, Mom. Calm down. Mom, stop. I'm fine. Stop being in mourning. Hilarious to me. Um, but no. Imagine, imagine mourning your daughter and you're like, Ma'am, uh, there's another message from your daughter. Oh my God, thank God. You might uh, kind of want to take some of it with a grain of salt a little bit. We are sure she's under an immense amount of stress. She does have some thoughts on you, just so you Mom, know. Mom, fuck you. <laughs> Dad, thank you so much. I'm going to come home, okay? Mom, get your shit together. It's just a <laughs> kidnapping. Daughters are daughters. Kids are kids. Like, your relationship with your parents exactly. is what it is. Yes. Yeah, so I love it. This is, and I want listeners, you guys, to note the difference between her here and mm. this is uh, February 16th, and the first uh, communique is Theor- like it, I don't know. I don't. I think it was February twelfth that it was delivered, but okay. it was probably recorded a few days before. So it's like a week difference. Yeah, maybe. but just note the difference you hear in Patty's voice here. Gesture. There was some misunderstanding about that, and um, you should just do what you can. I mean, they understand that that you want to meet their demands, and that uh, and they real. I mean. Okay, I'm gonna try and find the the thing from about That's, her mom. That is such a progression. One and two. It's so weird to be like, hey, these kidnappers who violently beat the crap out of my boyfriend and abducted me. They're rational. Like they get it. They see the effort. And for them, it's about growth. It's not about the fine. They're, they're measuring growth here, which we see a lot at school. <laughs> um, Oh, here it is. Yeah, she doesn't sound nearly as afraid as she did in the first communique. No, she doesn't. And Or okay. the second, I guess, technically. Certain tape experts seem to think I'm... I'm I mean, I'm fine. And uh, it's really depressing, though, to hear people talk about me like I'm dead. And, uh, you know, I just I can't explain what that's like. What it does also is that it it begins to convince other people that maybe I am dead. And, um, and when everybody is dead. convinced that I am dead, well, then it gives the FBI an excuse to come in here and try to pull me out. And uh, 
I'm sure that Mr. Bates understands that. Uh, Wait, hold on. That, uh, so she is in this third communique, the second one from her. Mm-hmm. She's now starting to be like, and like, don't break in here and shoot everybody. They're my friends. Here's the thing is that she is scared that the FBI is going to raid and that she is going to become collateral damage. I mean, an absolutely fair fear to have. Yes. And I, I'm not going to try and find where she says her, her mom needs to get out of the black dress, but it is really funny. She says, and mom needs to get out of that black dress. And it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but at this point, so she's scared. She's voiced that. Is she's that voiced my this. top? Sorry. I just, <laughs> we can cut it if we don't want it, but absolutely. Mom, like. is that my dress? Stop. <laughs> I swear to God, if you went into my room. <laughs> I told you that it doesn't work on you anyway. Um... The SLA actually trains her on how to use her own shotgun at this point. For what purpose? So that, um, A, she's trained on how to use a weapon, and B, to show that she is not their enemy and that her safety is a priority to them, and... She's going to shoot the FBI agents? C, no, to protect herself in the case the FBI raids them and mistakes her for a member of the SLA. And so then... You shoot the FBI? I guess I don't know. Okay. Okay. But it's crazy to me that a kidnapper is like, have a gun. Here, what if we gave you one of our guns that we use to kidnap you, and then if you just, and then, sorry, I'm just going to get behind you real quick, and then you hold it like this. <laughs> Are we having a moment right now? <laughs> I love a rom-com, but that's nuts. Is that nuts? That and so she learns nuts. how to, like, disassemble it, reassemble it, all of that shit, like gun safety. Like, she is allowed to keep it in the closet with her, from my understanding. <laughs> Which is bananas. What? Yeah. Get her a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Monet would not help her in that situation. <laughs> um, so that's where Patty's at. I don't know if that answers well, any where questions. Where is Patty at? That's where she is, but what is it? I, I don't, don't know. I don't understand. What, what does it mean? How does someone in <laughs> seven days... I don't... Mm-hmm. How do you go in seven... And also, like, that is absolutely theater kids running a cult. If I can say it, I, maybe I can. I think I have the ethos. Uh, well, at least. But, like, we could actually use a bigger cast. <laughs> <laughs> but what if? Hear me out. Exactly. What if? <laughs> um, no, it's, there goes that baker with its tray, like, like always. <laughs> if you can't hear the undercount, it's not going to work. <laughs> if you don't open the window on the two and, exactly. it's, it's not going to make sense. It's trigger pull, trigger pull. <laughs> I can't work under these conditions. Someone up, Miss Moon, you're up. Walks away. We got so into that. I'm so good at theater camp references. I'm so I listen. I I hate to say it. It's gonna shock no one at all. The first time in my entire life I felt. And if you're on video, you just saw what he did. (laughs) He just did a whole body gesture somehow, and he's sitting. The first time I felt seen, heard, understood, welcomed. Theater. Little gay. Community theater above a Mexican restaurant mm, in crucial. the thriving downtown that is Lincoln, Nebraska. Love my hometown. Love the little community theater I found there. And like that adorable, gross kind of way, it like did yeah. help me find a community. Also, I like was in Guys and Dolls. And also had Were a speaking you a guy part. Or a doll? Thank you, babes. <laughs> babes, thanks. <laughs> Um, Thank you, Barbie. I was a uh, I was a speaking role in oh. uh, Fiddler on the Roof, oh. Avram. So hey. had four lines, and one of them was a singular line in a song. So I was a soloist. In hey. case you were ever wondering, 
Love that for you. Anyways, anyways. much ado about nothing. Another play I was in. Okay. Anyways. So anyway. Clever wordplay. We're going to leave Patty in the closet. Much like Grant, I think, at that point in his oh, life. Oh, in middle school? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I just like musical theater because there's a bunch of girls there. And not because there's like a changing room where that I get to be as gay as I am. Here's the thing. The crazy thing about the high school that I went to is that the theater kids were like the popular kids mm-hmm. at my high school, which is so like not in line with what other people experienced right because everyone else is like theater is for the gays and like yes it was but like usually i feel like theater in high school is like where kind of like the outcasts i feel like Mm. find their home sure and that still was true at my high school like there were we were very accepting but it wasn't like the outliers it was like the most popular girl in our high school constantly getting the lead roles and all of like it was nuts do you know what uh maritalism is Mm. it's like people who deserve it get promoted instead Mm. of people who are like connected and stuff i went to a high school that was so huge there was this thing called the e-wing um Ewing had all of the performing arts facilities. So, like the choir rooms, the band rooms, mm-hmm. the black box for the theater, speech and debate, yeah, we had the, stuff we had down a there. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, we did Ewing. And I went to a school big enough that Ewing had more students in it than like many high schools do in general. That was how ours was too. So, there was just a whole ecosystem there alone that couldn't tell you if there were other things going on outside <laughs> of that school. There's always like some crossover with like Science Olympiad, Asian Caucus, and like I think oh, yeah. tennis. Um, yeah. But there was just this whole ecosystem, and if you were a good actor or could cry on demand because your parents mm. got divorced, um, <laughs> you could kind of like rise to the top, which was great. And then you'd like be at social gatherings on the weekends and evenings and be like, "Oh, you're weird," but like you're also the most popular person here, so I guess that's fine. fine. Exactly. I love that. It's. <laughs> I have I have no end cap. I have no defense of that, but it it was a system that worked. <laughs> I kind of missed it, honestly, actually. I do too. Not, not to have, like, this one was like, you should have seen me play quarterback in high school. But I miss, no. like, the ability to just choose electives and take them. <laughs> Having learned enough math by the time I was 15 to just never have to do it again. Oh, I still haven't learned enough math, but I do wish I could take photography again. You're an engineer, again. and I teach humanities. I loved differential equations. I so. became the theater department. <laughs> I, my job, Listen, this, I, this Ken's job... If Act. you ever need me to come in and yes, pretend to right be... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> What's the character from The Incredibles, the little short? Edna like, Mode. I would be her in a gut... Her... Who are you? What do you, what do you, what do you want? Her and Yzma combined. Mm, my that... God, you've gotten vet. Come in, come in. <laughs> I love Edna Mode. We should make that a there, Halloween There costume. are moments you and I will look at each other and it's Can just... Can we be Edna Yzma Mode and, and Edma? Oh, what are we going to say? Can I? Can we be Edna and Mr. Incredible when you're for a little Yeah, but you have to be Mr. Incredible. That's fine. <laughs> I will make that shit happen. This head was born for a black bob. I don't know what else to say. It seems, honestly, it seems fitting. I get it. I get it. I think it'd actually be a really fun role reversal. I love that. This only, what, 360 could then days? Be, uh, Mrs. Incredible. <laughs> I love it. Because he can stretch. Yeah, he can. He stretch out a pair no, of pants. No, he can't. He's really... Kidding. I yeah, love him. He can stretch a pair of but pants. But he's he not limber. Stretch. He's no, not, he's no. not. He can't can he touch his toes? Barely. Okay. No, on a good day. Okay. Yeah. He okay. should get into running. I, 
Yeah. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're back in the right, Patty Hearst. Uh, Patty Hearst we had... We get so far off sometimes. We were talking about The Incredibles. Okay. <laughs> I heard kid today go like, whoa, that class really went off the rails, huh, Mr. Thomas? And I go, not entirely sure, kiddo, if there ever was rails for that class. But <laughs> yeah, real. I wouldn't say it was on track. That's real. Not That's all real. days are great. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, Patty is in the closet. She's being uh, taught how to use a mm. shotgun. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the ransom fulfillment. So the SLA asks for $70 worth of food to be given to basically anyone who needs it. To every person ever. Yes, right. exactly. And so um, people in need is what they call this kind of group that they're that is distributing the food, collecting and distributing the food. Um, it's the name of the program developed to fulfill the ransom and millions of dollars of food, $2 million of food are coming into the China basin warehouse, requiring hundreds of volunteers to manage this massive endeavor, Mm. which is bananas. And there's a quote here. Uh, people in need was, and remains unprecedented in American history. A crime leads to the creation of a social services agency, (laughs) which I don't know if that's like necessarily real. I think what maybe the person means is that like a ransom leads to a social services agency. I mean, the kidnapping is a crime. Yeah, but like there's other crimes that like once they're solved, develop into like nonprofits and that kind of thing. Sure. So I don't know but if those it's are like... oftentimes like victims advocacy. Yeah. I think for the benefit Oh I guess yeah. Like the, the beneficiaries to be so detached from the actual mm. crime itself, I think is That's pretty fair. unique. That's fair. You're right. Um, also, just the creation of any social service in America is kind of insane. <laughs> okay, this is a quote from Bill Harris, a member of the SLA. Quote, the things I wanted to do were the things that would inspire people to understand that we get it. Why they're so broke and can't feed their kids. That has nothing to do with them and their particular limitations. It has to do with an economy that doesn't give a rat's ass about them. And so, like, it's important to understand in all of this that the SLA does have good intentions under Mm. all of their probably very poor ways about, I don't know, trying to get that out to the public. Right. But anyway, now we cut to Reagan. Always. The governor of California. Who's about to make charity illegal. Yes. Wait, for reals? Well, he... (laughs) Oh my God, Reagan's the worst. He urges people to not take the Hearst food. What? He says that he hoped... Anyone who took the free food got botulism. As governor of your state, many of you are poor. Die. Exactly. <laughs> Some of you may die, but that, <laughs> that is a risk, that is a risk I'm, I'm willing, willing to, take. to take. And the really unfortunate what? thing about this is that Reagan is wrong. Reagan is absolutely wrong. People in need should take the food that they need. But the people in need, like foundation or whatever they were calling themselves, did not have enough food for all of the people that were in need. Because it it wasn't, it was, I don't know, like they had fish and bread and cheese and whatever other kinds of food Jesus gave to people. But <laughs> Wait, for reals? Eggs, bread, and fish is what I have listed. Okay. But I don't know if there were others. So... So many people were waiting for food that there wasn't enough for everyone. They donated 2.5 million in the 1970s, and they still couldn't feed, not even all of California, just the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. And so it caused riots at the delivery locations, at the distribution locations. Like, 
lots of riots. And it's so sad about the state of the world right it's now. It's really sad. And so there's there's footage on the news of people like there's people in the backs of the trucks from these warehouses that the Hearsts have supplied, literally throwing food into large like crowds, crowds of, of people. people. And so the riots were happening at some, if not all, of the thirteen distribution locations, and this was broadcast everywhere. Of course it was. Yeah. And so this leads to SLA communique number four. Can I ask, before we get into the fourth communique, mm -hmm. in your research, did it feel like the Hearst family legitimately tried to do a good... Yes. It wasn't slapdashed or Oh, uh, We'll talk like about that. it in a second, about like, why they couldn't do more. Okay. But, but it they did, like hired the right kind of people. It did feel like they were doing Gave a substantial money. Everything they could. Tried to benefit people yes. specifically. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so DeFreeze comes on in communique number four in, that is released uh, February 21st. Uh, quote, the Hearst Empire has attempted to mislead the people and deceive them by claiming to put forth a good faith gesture of $2 million. This is not a good faith gesture, but rather an act of throwing a few crumbs to the people, forcing them to fight over it amongst themselves. Which the reality of the situation is that's true. Like the the outcome is true. But the, the Hearst intention family is not. is not singularly, at least, responsible and you have for to the remember, economic state of the world at the time. You have to remember that Patty's dad is not the only sibling of their grandfather. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. there's a whole. He doesn't have the whole Hearst. He doesn't empire. have the whole no. Hearst Empire, and we'll talk about more of kind of the logistics in just a second. But Governor Reagan. Mm. Yeah. Comes on and says, quote, we agree with the need for Mr. Hearst to meet these terms. But just think of the difference if our people had said no to the kidnappers. Ugh. We would not Some accept moral righteousness. Yes. Right, righteousness. We will not yes. accept help on these terms. We will not accept help as the price of it being the life of a young girl. That's bullshit on so many levels. You're talking about What's the heiress. He He's saying like. We won't accept help if, like, this help is coming because a young girl's been kidnapped. He's ignoring the fact that the people that are going to get food are, like, legitimately needy. Right. Like, Showing up and rioting. They're so desperate for Yes, need. because they didn't catch a loaf of bread from this truck that's being thrown. Right. And Reagan is saying, but what if you said no? Right. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Every time you hear something about Reagan, you're like, how are people obsessed with him in the 70s and 80s. Because and the he way was they mildly were. good looking. I don't know. I guess, but it's all this like, well, you wouldn't be hungry if you had better character. It's like, no, that's not. It was. And also you profit off of and yeah. maintain the system that created hungry people in the first place. It was place. unfucking believable I was like, dude, what are you, f like, do you hear yourself saying these words do, right now? Do you know how villainous you have to be to make me think the millionaire Hearst family are victims in a story? Yeah, and that the people have, who are starving are the villains? Yes, I've only Fuck half you. jokingly said eat the rich many times. But in like, this case? Yeah, but Reagan, you are just so off the mark. So, so off the mark. So hold on, so the Hearst family does their best. They accidentally tap into a huge unmet need. Mm -hmm. The governor of the state that's not meeting that need is like, no one should have taken the food. And the people who did the kidnapping and then originally made the demand was like, not good enough. Mm -hmm. So their updated ransom, I guess, is that they demand $4 million be added to the $2 million that has already been given. 
So a total of six million dollars right. be given, and a reminder that the two million dollars is twelve right. million dollars today. So that's a fuck ton of money. They want almost forty million dollars. And so Randy, uh, Patty's father, has to make a press statement that, according to Steve Weed, kind of broke him because Randy has a lot of pride. When of course it comes, he does. Yeah, yeah, he's he's comes from a lot of generational wealth, and he's an, he is, his daughter has been kidnapped, right. and so he is trying. Oh, is this to Randy do, the granddad or Randy the dad? The dad. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if the granddad is still alive around this time. I don't, I don't right. know. Um, but Randy has to make a press statement that the increased demand from the SLA is um, beyond his financial capability and is therefore, quote, out of his hands, which everyone agrees after the fact was a very poor turn of phrase for him. Out of his hands. Out of his hands was a poor turn of phrase. Um, and the SLA, at this point, everyone acknowledges that the SLA believes he had more money than he did. And the important thing to note here is that William Randolph Hearst this is a quote from Tubin. set up the company so that professional managers would mm. always call the shots because he didn't trust any of his sons to live up to his example. Sure. So Randy Hurst was the publisher of the San Francisco Examiner at this time, but he was really only a figurehead. He doesn't have access right. to the he funds. He has some family inheritance, but it's not mm -hmm. like he has access to the slush fund. So if he needs access to that slush fund, he has to go to the board of directors. And the board of directors says no, because there's a chance that even given that money, Patty It'll won't be released. Going. Right. Yes, exactly. And so um, he would need to go to his keepers in the Hearst world to get access to the kind of money the SLA was asking for. And it's unclear if he did ask or if he just knew that it wasn't going to be a possibility. But um, the answer would have almost definitely been no, because there's a chance that they would not have gotten Patty back from that. And they figured that if they did, everyone in the Hearst family would be getting kidnapped. Right. Which is another yeah. kind of... Yeah. Which is... It's why kidnapping becomes such a hard... Like, kidnapping and blackmail becomes ultimately, like, you... And it's an ineffective strategy at its core because of exactly stuff like that. Exactly. Until I have, like, a... Until there... The, yes. Mm -hmm. I don't need to walk through blackmail and kidnapping. But, but it's... Yeah, it's hard to... For influential people to be like, yeah, we'll give you that money. But meanwhile, Patty's being fed this information. And what 18-year-old knows the financial state of their family? The answer is she doesn't. Right, exactly. I mean, as a yeah. person who watches our families every year and our students go through like a FAFSA application night, it is like the most stressful evening at the school It was stressful ever. for me. And yeah. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't grow up poor by any means, but I still had to ask my entire family, like, what was your first job? Yeah, exactly. Where did you live How 15 years ago? How much money do we ago? make right now? <laughs> yes. It's stressful for everyone. Yes. And so Patty, at this point, has been given a radio and a small TV to keep in like her little area. And so she's watching the riots. Sure. She's watching her father say that he can't help her. And he's she's pissed. Does she talk a little bit about ever trying to escape this situation? Mm -hmm. She technically has a shotgun. She technically, I, she, I don't think she's, I don't know that it's actually in the closet with her. It might be outside of the closet or something like that. She never talks about, no one ever mentions an escape attempt on okay. Patty's side. I think it, it has partially to do with how fast she was being indoctrinated mm. and how much she was seeing her family fail her. Mm. And All so, right. so she has a little radio and a television to keep up with what's happening. She gets upset when her father declines the increased good faith gesture um, and there's people argue about whether or not she thought her family had more money than it did or if she felt like her father was playing games with her life. Mm. Either way, she's pissed. And so that leads to SLA communique number five, which I don't have a, a like a tape of. But Steve, her fiance from when she got kidnapped, says, quote, it was pretty evident that something snapped. And In you can, Patty. 
you can hear in her voice if you ever find an audio recording of this or if you watch the docuseries you'll hear an audio recording of this you can tell like she has snapped like her voice has gone from being like kind of soft-spoken kind of like unsure of her words to being like what the fuck is going are you on. doing right yeah and so this is a quote from patty it's a in this communique, quote, I don't believe you're doing everything you can, everything in your power. I don't believe you're doing anything at all. You said it was out of your hands. What you should have said is that you've washed your hands of it. Ooh. Yeah. And so everyone kind of agreed that saying out of my hands was like a, a Does it bad turn of phrase. Does it ever talk at all about her relationship with her parents before this all happened? We kind of talked about it earlier that she... she got along kind of with her dad mostly because her dad treated her like a son and she didn't really get along with her mom. Um, there's also some argument that, <clears throat> despite what Steve says, that her parents did not like her moving in with him, and she sure. was facing some some mental health issues at this point, mm. like being mad that her parents didn't support her. Um, and so there is some argument of a disconnect between her family before. And she was I have kidnapped. to keep in mind that she's like 18. I'm like, this is. I think she's 19 like, at this point. But yes, you've been kidnapped. Your parents just donated, you know, in today's money, almost more than 12 million dollars, right, to try to get yeah. you back. Like, I understand being hurt that you don't feel like they're doing more, but it, I wouldn't say they're not doing anything. You know, mm -hmm. they are working on something. And it's it's hard to put yourself in her shoes too, because she is in a closet, like forced to just watch the 24 seven yeah. news and like see what's happening and be disappointed. And it's kind of hard to keep a rational head and all that. It's like Donald DeFries watching the news all day being like, yeah, let's fucking kill right. Marcus Foster. Let's get up. Cause it's, he's still technically involved in all of this, right? Is. Yeah. yeah okay. he is. He, I don't think he's one of the ones that's charged with keeping care of her. Um, okay. he does talk to her though. I think everyone in the SLA has Talks contact her. with her. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there are three comrades charged with their care. I'm not hundred percent sure who they were. I think it was the two women, um, Angela and, Nancy and then Willie. Okay. So Willie has a particular connection with her due to their similar backgrounds. And Bill, who's interviewed in the docuseries, realized that Patty has kind of developed an infatuation with him. Mm. And Patty loved love. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> so at some point, Angela asks her, because remember, they're non monogamous. Everyone kind of, if if right. the desire ar arises, they're right. like, yeah, absolutely, fucking whatever you want, do it. And so she just kind of asks um, Patty on a whim, is there anyone in the cell that you wouldn't mind, like, having sex with? Like, no pressure, but, like... We're all curious. Like, who is who would you have sex with? Maybe she had just come from having sex with whoever or something. She's like, sure. who would you have sex with? Um, like, kind of like a fuck, Mary kill argument is kind <laughs> of what I gathered okay. from when they brought it up. Like, fuck, Mary kill, like, these three. Right, like, who right, is right. Um, so she says, Willie. She goes, thank you so much for asking, <laughs> Willie. <laughs> yeah, and so this causes a huge fight between the entire cell. <laughs> She's in. <laughs> She's in. According to Bill, and you that have, is important to note. You have two choices. You can either get married or break it off right now. <laughs> but this new marriage, this new relationship is going to ruin the friend group. <laughs> Worked out for Jacob and Lydia. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and so Bill says that this causes a rift, that him and Emily are both like, mm, she's a kidnap victim. Mm. Like, maybe we don't do this. Um, <laughs> but it's also coming from Bill, and we have Wait, no way on. to know. Bill and who else says don't do this? His wife, Emily. Okay. And Willie's like, but hear me out, maybe we do. <laughs> 
Yeah, is that it? I don't know if we hear from <laughs> Lily in this argument, but ultimately, I think they kind of vote, and the majority of the cell says, like, look, if it's consensual on both ends, <laughs> what the fuck ever. That is actually living your principles, which is so hard to find in political parties these it's days. It's true, it's true. So That's this is, nuts, again, though. only from the perspective of Bill, because we don't have, we have a story from Patty, which We've we will discuss later, but... Absolutely made some jokes. Because what a crazy situation of a bunch of young theater majors who have absolutely (laughs) gone way beyond what they should have. Yes. But also at the same time, that is a relationship that is just deeply imbalanced from a power dynamic perspective. Even if she consents, does she have the mental capacity to consent? Listen, I've said said this before. Mm -hmm. I've said this to you personally, probably on the podcast, other people. I do not understand why we as a society were so mean to Monica Lewinsky. Yes. When like that, it was such a clear imbalance of power. Um, That is the only thing I agree with HR on. Just kidding. There's some things I agree with HR on. But that one is, Um, that no one makes sense. That one, and then it's like this. It's release her and then have a relation. Also, has she seen Willie's face at this point? There's argument that she does at this point. So she sees a face for the first time in nine days, and she's like, love. Well, the argument is that she sees his face when they're having sex. Wait, but it's not confirmed that she sees his face? No, because they're alone in the closet or wherever they go. Shut up. Sorry, Bill, I'm just such a gossip that I'm like, I that's know. nuts. <laughs> okay, so the interviewer, so ultimately the everyone's like, fuck, if it's consensual, like, who are we to disagree? Like, both of them have said yes, fucking We've whatever. We've denied her body autonomy. Should we also deny her sexual proclivity? <laughs> yes. Yes, you yes, probably you should. should. And also release her. Also, like, you... No more f- murder or kidnap. No more crime. Stop. Yes, exactly. So the interviewer asks Bill, um, how in the world is she going to say she wants to sleep with a guy she's only seen with a ski mask on exactly bill's response and this is kind of where you see the first side of bill where you're like what oh um he seems like he seems like a guy i would get a drink with you know like he sure. seems like a like he's, i feel that way about 99 percent of humanity though <laughs> okay but like there's guys where you're like okay i don't want you as a woman i guess at least i don't want you within gotcha That's 40 feet of me okay bill seems like Especially because he he self-proclaimed earlier in the documentary, like, yeah, Emily and Angela were, like, really feminist and, like, absolutely were, like, radicalized to be feminist and believe in that, like, ideology, and he was as well. So I don't necessarily fear him, but, like, this is the first time where you hear him talk and you're like, you're not all there. Ooh, are you okay? Um, like he seems like someone I would absolutely get a beer with, and then refuse a ride home from. Yep, 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 yep. Um, yep. I actually get points on my credit card through Lyft, so I'll, I'm fine. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. Like not okay. because I'm afraid of him, but just because I don't necessarily want to yep. continue the interaction. Yep. But so he, his response is, "It's just look. You know what? I can only explain it as one of those quirky things of being living in that kind of a circumstance. It was unusual." It's exactly how it went down. Don't ask me to explain why it doesn't why it doesn't fit into your sense of what makes sense. This is what fucking happened. Most people that I know of, you included, have never lived in that kind of a circumstance. So he just goes, "You had to be there, man." That's you had literally to be what there. it is. And he's wearing like a surfer kind of necklace, and it's like a true shell. <laughs> it's, well, it's like a, a woven kind of. I don't know what it is, but sure. like truthfully. It's like listening to this guy talk, I don't. 
like I'm absolutely interested to hear his life story. I want to hear what happened in Vietnam. I want to hear like right. why he's socially radicalized. But it's like but this kind of thing where it's like, oh. Some of those vision quest fried parts of his brain a little yes. bit too much. Yeah. yeah. Immediately yeah. followed by Bill's uh, response on the screen follow is quote, Bill or Patricia Hearst strongly disputes Bill Harris's account. And this is where it gets Queen. this gets a little dark. She says it says Hearst says she was tortured and raped by her captors. Oh. I want to point out there is not a lot to back up either of these claims. And I, we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty details of those things of why I want to believe victims. I will believe Patricia if she says that she was sexually assaulted. I will believe her. Okay. There are some pieces of evidence that make me think, okay. What? Okay. That we'll get into. Um, say, you got me stunned right now. You got that me. I, I want, so I'm, she says the exact opposite. She happened. says the exact opposite. There was opposite. no conversation. There was no like group vote. There was no moment of romance. Well, she wasn't there for the group vote, but there are, I think, maybe two or three other people that are interviewed in the docuseries that met her and um, met her and or met her and Willie. And all of them kind of say like, she was madly in love with him, which is hard. And we'll get into some of the reasons. That is hard, yeah. Right? It's really difficult because it's like she was in a weird situation. And I I think maybe this exact situation where her and Willie have a sexual encounter, I'm inclined to believe her because right. she was in she a was situation. There. there are situations that follow that I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'm continuing to follow your train of thought, but I also sure. wasn't there and there's no one to follow up. And I mean, like, a couple minutes yeah. ago we did ask like, is she even in a position to give consent? Exactly. And so I hear that. I, yeah. Um, so that's kind of what happens and it is dark and I apologize for that. I should have given a, a little bit of a trigger warning, but, um, but to play both sides, it's either she, she continues to fall into this group mm -hmm. and then that comes with all of the habits of that group which is one version of yeah. the story, or the second version of the story is that she was assaulted. Mm -hmm. And you did say at the beginning that there's going to be multiple perspectives. and There's a lot of perspectives, yeah. and I think... I don't feel like you have denied Patty's version of the events. That means so much to me. Yeah. I've been so stressed I haven't, about this I story. I mean, I will listen to it when you play it. <laughs> yeah. But this, I mean, this is a really crucial... It is a very point. crucial detail. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's colored both by the fact that she was kidnapped and by the fact that it does seem to be that she will do, she do some of the work yeah. of the group a little bit. She was not happy with what was going on outside. Right. And that seems pretty clear. Right. Um, and so the search for Patty has continued outside of where she's being held. Um, every, they really have no idea where they are? No, and it's fucking hilarious. Okay. <laughs> Part of me is like, I mean, surely they know where the SLA headquarters they are. They have no fucking idea. How? These are cassette tapes being dropped off to places. To various radio stations, TV stations. Yeah. Um, every technique is being used to find her by the FBI. At this point, they're so desperate to do anything because they have no leads that they bring in. <laughs> Psychics. Of course they do. Why is every episode they're like, and then Sir Conan Arthur Doyle came in. She's by a lake. No, no, she's not, Arthur. No, she's not. Do you mean the ocean? Because yeah, kind of. I believe she's dead. Well, she's 
fucking alive, Arthur. <laughs> she told her mom to stop mourning. <laughs> She's converted to Christianity and now speaks English. She's always been that way, Arthur. <laughs> I never knew starting this podcast I would have such immense beef with, with the creator of Sherlock Holmes. A movie my family almost always rewatches during the holidays. <laughs> I just like really can't with him. So they bring in I don't think that I'm not sure if this is a quote. They bring in psychics. Three more psychics. And a prisoner who said, if let out, he can find her. He, Shut up. He was let out. He did not find <laughs> I love a shot shooter, though. That is not cool to divert resources away from a exactly. manhunt. That's not cool, but I love a shot shooter. I'm not sure if, like, he was put back in prison. <laughs> I would kind of hope so. I would hope so. But <laughs> and was... maybe also have his, like, ex- sentence extended a little bit. You know, <laughs> it kind of like, feels like I a... I can do it. And they're like, okay, come on. And he was like, oh. Who the fuck's <laughs> asking prisoners? Does anyone in here think they know where Patty is? <laughs> Who's asking prisoners that? I don't know. I think maybe they were hoping someone had a connection with Donald DeFreeze. Uh, that, that's what makes sense to me. But um, they knew it was nonsense, but they had no other leads and felt they needed to do something. And so that's really what kind of led them down these nonsense things. And now comes Reagan's fucking revenge. Good. And Patty's mom also. Oh. So Randy Hurst is the bigwig of the family. Arguably her granddad is the bigwig of the family. Right. But... Catherine Hurst is also a bigwig in her own way. Um, And the SLA had targeted her for her family name, the Hurst name, but also because her mother had previously been a regent of the University of California. Do you Mm. know what that means? Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't, so I Googled it. (laughs) Regents are the school board for universities. Yes, exactly. And in the case of a state university, they are appointed by the governor. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. That's not true in Nebraska. They're state it, elected. The board regents has 26 voting members, the majority of whom are appointed by the governor of California to mm-hmm. serve 12-year terms. Nebraska, it's different. Okay. Well, uh, in California. <laughs> it's regents districts. Now, I'll say this. Can I share a little yeah, story real go quick? So, um, I was in student government in the University of Nebraska. I will pause for your shock. Um, <laughs> Uh, and that meant there was always a like a luncheon every year where the student government leaders, not all of us, not all, but the select ones. Um, I was Speaker of the Senate. It's on the committee oh, for right. allocation. Okay, continue. Know. Uh, we have a luncheon with the regents, and you sit down and you talk with them. And because the regents in Nebraska are elected out of districts, which are regionally proportioned based off population, mm-hmm. which means that there's like two from Omaha, one right, from Lincoln, right, right. and then the other five are from like rural counties. I was uh, put at a table with two regions from like the far western parts of Nebraska. And at the time in 2013, 14, there was uh, an initiative called Employee Plus One that they were trying to push, which is that you could basically extend spousal benefits to one person, regardless of if they were your spouse. And the argument was that like, 
if you had a sibling who was like dependent and needed your health insurance, okay. you could add them. Yeah. Or if you needed, you know, if you were in a long term but weren't married, or you know, if you were gay and it's 2014 and it's illegal to be married in Nebraska, love that they could get your, they could be spousal benefits on your university yeah, health yeah, passage. Yeah. And it was really controversial. And we had been told as student leaders kind of beforehand to like behave, and that this was a mm. nice thing that the regents were doing. But I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> and, and I was like, so Councilman Gene, what do you? Regent Gene, what do you think about employee plus one? And then he like recited <gasps> the like uh, policy back to me, and I go, yes, no, I I know I what know the what policy is. is. That is why I am asking you what you think about <sighs> it. And then I got like more half speak, and then someone else started a wholly different conversation. But I was like, no, this is what we're here for. The chicken's dry. I need to be talking to them <laughs> about employee plus one benefits. I am a loud son of a bitch. And there's like one time that's a good thing, and it's right now so <laughs> fucking go so i know about the regents i know about i know about a region or two so it passes just uh, so you know the, the plot of that story it passes we don't get regent jeans vote either <laughs> but it passes grant would have verbally slapped <laughs> i had his yes mom oh my god Oh, no, I would never verbally slap Teresa. What do you think I learned? No, uh, Patty's mom. <laughs> oh, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at this point, there's discourse regarding the regents of the UC because it sounds like housewives. <laughs> anyway, there is discourse about the regents because they get to kind of um, dictate student conduct rules. And there's a lot of discourse about the beginning of the free speech movement sure. at Berkeley. And... Now Patty's mom is on it, and that is really seen as kind of a fuck you to the SLA. Like <laughs> Reagan is like, I see what you're doing, and still I'm gonna, I don't know, promote this family because you kidnapped her daughter. You He's know, such a culture warrior. He's so <sighs> tiresome. Yes. And so regents theoretically had the power to stop the revolution occurring at Berkeley by cracking down on student protesters. Right. Catherine Hurst was reappointed to one of these positions by Reagan after the kidnapping. And this increases the alienation that Patty feels between her and her family. Because her kidnapping is resulting in career, career promotion and of her amazing press of her family. Yes, okay. exactly. And so around this time, um, the SLA has to move because of financial reasons. They don't have the money anymore. They were at their house after, after Concord House, after they tried to burn it down. They moved from that place um, which I think they called Northridge, to a studio in the ghetto. A studio for like six of them? Nine. Nine of them? Yep. And they called this Golden Gate. It's on a street called Golden Gate. Is, do any of them have day jobs? You would think, think so. even with seven incomes coming in, with two people always at the house. They don't because of what's about to happen next. Okay. Um. So this was hysterical to Donald DeFries mainly, the fact that they moved to Golden Gate. Um, Golden Gate was chosen, I think, in part by Donald DeFries because it was on the same street as FBI headquarters. Shut up. They moved closer to the FBI. Hide in plain sight, baby. Oh my God. Yep. Uh, by the time of Golden Gate, uh, according to Bill, Patty is leaning towards not going home. And staying Just with the staying SLA. With the F SLA. Yes, she said multiple times that she does not want to return to her family. 
And again, this is according to Bill, but Bill says that he and he was very against it and tried to talk her out of it. Like in person, what, he said joining the SLA. Yeah. Bill, I think in his interview said like, look, if you join, you're you have a good chance of dying. Oof. Like you have a good like being part of what we're trying to do. You have a good chance of ending up on the wrong side of something that is going to like be the end of you or you're going to go to jail or but something like this. Also, if I'm in that position and I'm Patty and or Miss Hurst yeah. and I have been assaulted and I am afraid of my life and I am increasingly unconvinced of my family's mm-hmm. ability to save me might stay. to escape. To, well, I might tell them I'd say I might try to get as much independence as I can as a trusted member and then get out of there. Here is the thing, though, is that at this point, the SLA, again, according to Bill, um, I'm inclined to trust him on this because it seems like multiple sources agree that this happened, uh, that because there are other members of the SLA that are living currently that have attested but weren't declined interview. Okay. Um, they said to Patty, you at once at some point in Golden Gate, they said, you are no longer a prisoner. You can leave of your own free will. You can tell us where you want to go. We will drop you off there unharmed. Absolutely. We've gotten everything we and need. Yeah. I mean, as the SLA, if you're convinced that she hasn't seen your faces, you've kind of made a point. You're definitely in the news and you can kind of let her go. And I mean, the kidnapping charge is bad. They're still going to hunt yeah. you. But you you confirm she's you not dead. Her. Yeah. yeah. You don't need her. And she says that she's going to stay. And at this point, the rest of the SLA reveals their identities to her, takes off their ski masks. And what? Mm-hmm. She says she's going to Why would you stay. give her the option? That doesn't make any sense. Because she's, she's made it clear that she wants to stay. Okay, but she is also hyper famous, deeply visible. Yes. Someone that's always going to drag the attention of others. I mean, I know. I would have left her somewhere, this is honestly. A, yes. Yeah. I don't care if you were like tattoo it on my forehead. I'd be like. No, goodbye. Yeah, like, like you I are don't too care. much I'm pushing attention. you out of this van a right now. A huge part of this group's like operating procedures has to be anonymity to pull off the intense violence that they want to do, which I am not cheering for. No, I need to make yeah. sure that's clear. But, but you it's can't so do that. dumb. You can't do intense violence with like America's most wanted heiress. Yes. Hanging around. Exactly. And what so, is she going to do other than stay at a studio that does not have enough space? Exactly. It's like going to be her and Donald at Ugh. this point. Yeah. Like. And so. It doesn't. So, so it's. I, so either they're lying and Patty never actually said, I want to, I want to stay. I think, or, I think regardless of um, where she is mentally, if, if she felt she had the volition to do what she needed to do, I think she did agree to stay, whether or not she meant it. And we'll see kind of more of that um, in the next little bit. But I think, I think she was given the choice. Okay. I don't know how truthful it was to herself at this point, but I, I do think she was given the choice and I do think she said, I'll stay. Okay. Um, and this leads to communique number six, which is April 3rd, um, 1947. Remember, she was kidnapped February 4th. So this is a bit later. And Patty announces in this communique, she is staying of her own free will. She says, I... They've lost her, essentially. Yeah, that you guys, fuck you. Um, she de- directly mentions her mother's acceptance of the region position as like the trigger factor of her staying. It's stuff like that that also reminds you at how young 18 and 19 are. Some yes. of our listeners, I think, are closer to the age range. I don't want the, that to come off as patronizing. It's just, like, mm-hmm. that's so... 
I don't know. Like, I don't think you should make any decision about your entire life based off of your mom's promotion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so at this point, um, I mentioned that Donald DeFreeze has a nickname, uh, Sinkyu, or a code right. name. Everyone else also has a code name, and it's based off of other revolutionaries. I'm not 100% sure, like, if there was a rule of, like, where these revolutionary names had to come from. But so Donald DeFreeze was Sinkyu. Nancy Ling Perry was Fazaya. Camilla Hall was Gabby. Uh, Patricia Soltisk was Ms. Moon. I'm not sure if that was before or after this all happened. Willie Wolf was Cujo, which in some media sources was spelled C-U-J-O, but then there's a lot of arguments saying the media misspelled it, and it's actually K-A-H-J-O-H. Um, but uh, Patty pronounces it Cujo. Uh, and then Angela Atwood is Jelena, Jelina. Jelena, I think Jelena, none of these names have registered as single I don't name for re- me. Okay. Uh, recognize any of them, and then I don't actually know what Bill and Emily Harris's were. Okay. Um, but oh gosh, okay. So she announces to the world in this communique that she has joined the SLA, and she announces her code name is Tanya, who is a comrade who fought alongside Che in Bolivia for the people of Bolivia. Mm. And in the spirit, she says at the end of her, of this communique, it is in the spirit of Tanya that I say, patria o muerte venceremos. And that means fatherland or death, we shall triumph. Right. And at this point, after she has been accepted into the SLA, Willie Wolf, theoretically her assaulter or maybe lover, we're not sure, presents her with a gift. And remember, he's an archaeologist or an archaeologist student. He's like highly educated. He's highly Are these people still going to their classes? I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) They're all wanted. Okay. (laughs) Um, He presents her with a gift and it's a stone carving he has discovered at an archaeology dig in Mexico. And it's like a Olmec monkey. And Mm. he wears a twin to it as well. Maybe something you should have given back to the Olmec or Mexican people, but I yes. guess a souvenir to your girlfriend or captive is... But I need you, listener, to remember the Olmec monkey, because it does become kind of a crucial part um, much later on in the story. I love that. And so remember the Olmec monkey, that both her and Willie have some part of it, if it's like part of the same one or if it's a different, if it's two separate ones. Um, but the theater kids thrilled because this is great propaganda <laughs> they're like okay she has joined us we can convince anyone if you give us two weeks and 2.5 million dollars we can convince, we can convince anyone, anyone. <laughs> they're like hell yes all it takes was 13 separate food riots and we were able to convince this heiress yes to, to join, join our us. side News breaks of her turning sides to the SLA. Sure. Everyone's stunned, obviously. Right. Because she's a kidnapped victim, and now she's like, but have you read their doctrine? <laughs> but I'm going to like, kind of hang out for a little bit longer. Willie's really hot. Have you seen that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but... This is a quote from Randy Hurst in response. He says, quote, we've had her 20 years. They've had her 60 days. I don't believe she's going to change her philosophy that quickly. Mm. And this is a quote from Tubin, the author. Quote, the story of the SLA, especially in the beginning, is tactical victories and strategic incoherence. Hmm. So they successfully get Patty, this is end quote, um, successfully get Patty to join, manage to ransom that food, kidnap Patty, but for what? Right. Like, what? What are you doing next? 
And so they have Patty. And now they're in a studio and there's nine of them. Right. So clearly they're lacking. And the big thing they've been working on is kind of resolving itself. Yes. And so now they, they realize that they need money, essentially, to continue their efforts. Always. Um, what do you do if you need money and you're already a criminal, Grant? Well, I will tell you what I have been doing when I need money and I'm not a criminal. Oh. I have been eating a lot of pasta. Hell yeah. Um, American that. Beauty, I think, is Ooh. a great cheap pasta brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to switch it out every now and then for rice. Ooh, okay. Um, occasionally we can get some fun garbanzo beans. You'd be surprised <gasps> what paprika, salt, pepper, olive oil, and garbanzo beans can produce. I'm surprised. Crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, ironically, they don't go that route. Well, they should have. You can feed an army. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen how many garbanzo beans I are actually, in a can? Here's, here's the thing. It's insane. You can get potatoes for like almost less than do- a dollar a pound. And mm. so um, like a week ago, I made, I know because I know how many potatoes were left, roughly two pounds <gasps> of mashed potatoes and feasted on it. I actually think I have just a little bit left still. It lasts. I ordered some mashed potatoes along with my pasta yesterday. I would love. Very excited. This is not me being sarcastic at all. I would love to make you some mashed potatoes (gasps) sometimes. That's my love language. (laughs) The only two dishes I was ever responsible for for Thanksgiving were the pie and mashed potatoes. Here's the thing. We are getting into the type of season, and my students have said this, where like, the food of my culture, (laughs) the Midwest... It's, it's featured true. so prominently. I've been to a friend's giving at Grant's. It is the Midwest. It's only <laughs> oh, the Midwest. Oh, you've never had a casserole? Well, let me tell you, we have four different versions. One of them heavily features green beans. I Stay do tuned. Love a I love a little green beanie casserole, casserole oh things like God. that. So we were trying to make some money fast. We're trying to make some money fast. And the way that they do this is robbing a bank. <laughs> I feel like this is the one part of the story that I did know, but yes. it's so colored now by what I have already and learned. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yes. Exactly. It just seems so I'm not, out there. I'm not rooting for them, but I am rooting for clarity. Yes. And yeah. you won't get it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, okay. that's fair. <laughs> so they're running out of money and they need to, they also, there's a lot of rumors out there on the news and everything that Patty has been forced to join against her will. Right. And so. Yeah. The natural answer. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to make money and they're also trying to prove to the media that Patty is a member and there's like nothing stopping her okay. or from like leaving. And so what they need is they need a bank, obviously, to rob, but they need a bank with video security. And that is like a pretty new thing. Wait. In this time. Why? Because they need video security of Patty doing it. Of Patty at the bank robbery. Okay. Isn't that smart though? Because it I don't is. I would have been like, we need money and then we can worry about that. Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Once we are stable again. Yeah, then But you and I are rational people who yeah. would never join the SLA or kidnap someone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they find a uh, bank called Hibernia Bank, which is near them, and they have video security, which is new, like I mentioned, so it's not available at all the banks around them. And um, Patricia, aside from like the team kind of wanting her to be in on the assault team, because right. they're going to have getaway drivers, but they're also going to have people inside the bank right. doing the robbing, keeping the hostages down while they, while they rob. They still give Patricia a choice. Again, according to Bill, but um, Bill says that Patricia really wanted to be on the assault team to prove to her family that, like, no, I'm part of this. This group is now. me. Like, this is who I am now. And so, 
April 15th, 1974 is the day that this bank robbery happens. And Willie and Bill are on the getaway team, as well as Emily. I think I'm not sure which whose car she was in. Um, but yeah, so Ms. Moon is the one that hits the tills. Sink you. Donald DeFreeze is the one that disables security. And then everyone else is essentially in charge of making sure that the people in the bank stay where they are. Okay. And in an interview with one of the people that was in the bank at the time of the robbery, he confirms that she was there. She seemed confident that he did not doubt for a second that she would use her gun on him. Okay. So the bank robbery was only partially successful. They got the money. They got about $10,000. In today's money or at the time money? At the time. Okay, so significant amount. So a lot more now, yeah. Uh, The public didn't seem to believe that she was there of her own volition, regardless of the fact that she's on the The tape. The public didn't believe her story. No, because she's on the tape, and you can look it up. There's security footage of her. She has a gun, and she seems to not be like... I don't know, under anyone's control. Okay. Um, but the public is still like, nah, someone has to be pointing a gun at her from off screen. Right. Like to do they have something. to have something on her. This is a quote from Steve, her ex fiance quote, seeing Patty in the bank with a gun. If it cemented anything, it was just that she's being disgraced and manipulated and coerced in a theatrical and cruel way. Being disgraced. Wow. Disgraced. I know. You are disgraced to your family. I know. Yeah. <laughs> The SLA is, however, thrilled with her performance. This is a quote from Bill. He says, quote, Patricia's performance in that bank robbery only solidified what we already suspected of her. Somewhat of a revolutionary savant. We kidnapped a freak. What? (laughs) Couldn't have booked a better one if we tried. He's like, oh, 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 Jesus Christ. Was Patty Hearst on the list of influential people to kidnap? Mm -hmm. Okay. That the police did not warn. Yes. And I think it said Hearst family heiress or something like that after her name. It said Patricia Campbell Hearst, Hearst family heiress. Yikes. Yeah. Who is a student of theirs, like a fellow student of several mm-hmm. of theirs. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, Bill Harris also says that Patty never froze, that she was essentially spectacular. DeFreeze gifts her um, with her own sidearm because previously she had had this like uh, kind of big shotgun. Right. Um, that Community she had been shotgun. With. Yes. Right. And now he was in charge of disabling security. And so he takes the gun from security and he gives he gifts her her own sidearm, which Patty. is the pistol that the security guard kept at Hibernia Bank, Hibernia Bank um, to Patty. And kind of a cool gift, even if it is kind of a messed I know, up right? thing to like, do. I was like, mm, okay. That's thoughtful. That's thoughtful. There's a thought behind it. <laughs> there is a single thought better than most men. Crime is bad. Crime is bad. I'm impressed. Men don't give thoughtful gifts. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Um, so Catherine Hurst, her mother, uh, releases a press statement after this saying Patty is still a victim of kidnapping. And if we've learned anything about Patty is that uh, don't say that. <laughs> It's going to piss her off. Yeah, Patty is pissed at that statement. <laughs> Mom, by I robbed mother. the bank on my own. Like, yeah. Just let me. Mom! Uh, so, Communique 7 is released as a result of that, April 24th, 1974. This is like uh, 10 days ish, nine days after the bank robbery. Patty Hurst, aka Tanya, tells the world that she is not being brain ro- brainwashed and not. No one. Oh my AKA God. Tanya? That's I'm her sorry. nickname. That's her code name. Mm-hmm. It's not a code name if you share it with everybody. Well, she that's how ever I we just went over this. Her name is Tanya. It's like a someone that fought in the independence wars in Bolivia. 
Oh, I thought that was one of the people that was like holding her no, hostage. No, that's her name that she's that's chosen. That's so annoying. I'm I sorry. And Tanya, also very white name. Yes. I'd like respectfully, that's Tanya, a very white formerly name. Formerly known as Patty Hearst. Well, everyone yeah. still knows you as Patty Hearst. I, I think the point was to keep the other people from being identified, and so she went along with it because now she's one of them. Sure. So she gets her own nickname. Yes, and so she chose Tanya, and um, she wants to tell the world that she's not being brainwashed, and no one of the SLA threatened her to do the robbery or during the robbery. She says, uh, I think in the communique, like, no one pointed their gun at me, like, this was of my own volition. Okay. And uh, and she says, quote, as for being brainwashed, the idea is ridiculous to the point of being beyond belief. <laughs> for those people who still believe that I am brainwashed or dead, I see no reason to further defend my position. Oh, you're lost and I'm not going to try to help you anymore. Yeah, like, this yeah. is who I am. Yeah. She says, I am a soldier in the people's army. And I believe she ends it with um, death to the fascist insect that preys upon the lives of the people. <sighs> right? And so she is like, I am in this crime. I did the crime. I am guilty of the crime. I am proudly guilty of the crime. Crime, crime, crime. Me, crime, crime. I am crime, crime. Okay. No, not a single second of absolving herself of the crime. Nope. She is crime. She did the crime. I think she says the exact amount of money that they stole as well. She's like, me and my comrades stole this amount of money from Hibernia Bank at this time, at this date. And the side pistol of the security guy. Basically. Is, yeah. Where is she, she, she going to go from here? I don't know. I don't know, man. Is she just living by the moment? I think so. Is she trying to get out? That's what people ask. Because increasingly it's like... There are a lot of moments... Um, I think the place that I want to end if we make this two parts is coming up and okay. you'll, you'll really question where she's at. I'm already kind of like, I could not imagine the choices you'd have to make in a situation like that. And part of me is now also wondering, but what are the choices you are making now? Exactly. And that's what a lot of people argue about. Okay. And so now you see why yeah. people are like, like, I get it. Like, if you say you were sexually assaulted, I believe you were sexually assaulted. Right. I don't know that I believe that you didn't have a choice in some of these situations. Right. And so it's really hard to, like, be like, I back well, you up as a victim. I want to believe everything you're saying Especially because when... I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, you're good. We're just now getting into the territory where she is victimizing other people. Yes. You know? Yeah, like, she is. There's people legitimately afraid Patty Hearst is about to murder them mm -hmm. if they move off the, that bank floor. Even more. You'll I'm sure. Okay. okay. I'm all this. Oh my god, this story is insane. Um, <laughs> okay, so that communique comes out, and then the news of Patty um, kind of breaks and influences kind of the students at Berkeley. Okay. Because like they're already I protesting all this stuff. Completely forget Berkeley's even a yes. part of any of this. Right so now. there's like posters around the the bay area around berkeley saying like we support tanya like that kind of thing of course okay yeah. and so the biggest part of patty's story is how she abandoned a life of luxury to fight the system sure mm -hmm. she's Which the people's is, princess yeah absolutely and then she was influencing those at berkeley and elsewhere and the fbi cannot fucking find her how it can they're so sloppy of a cult how can you not find them? Exactly. And at first, they're not able to find her as a victim of the kidnapping. And now, now the SLA is essentially parading her 
in front yeah. of video cameras, cameras, in front of everyone. Listen, the murder trust and Michael Malloy. Yeah. Once there was actually a dead body, they found them like. They're like, all right, fuck you guys. Right. Yeah. They found him immediately. And there's a, I think they this found is, fucking Agatha Christie in ten days. Yeah, and this has been like sixty. Yeah. Sixty. They've only moved. Like locations twice since they've had pa- once since it's they've also had Patty. nine people living in a yes. studio apartment. Yes, exactly. And so this person from the FBI, I don't know if it's just a spokesperson or if it's the head or whatever. He says, "quote I'm gonna make an admission, which hurts. We don't know where she is." Yeah, yeah, champ. Yeah, you yeah, don't. You, you have don't. lost her. And also, the best part about all of this, especially to Donald DeFries, is that they are on the same street as oh, FBI headquarters. I forget about that, no. and then you remind me. And so they have every police officer dispatched yeah. to search for this, but also there's something called the zebra killings happening in the same area. What? So there is, I'm not going to get really deep into it. Trigger warning, there is talk about some murder. It's very vague. Um, but the Bay Area police are on the hunt for the SLA, but they're also on the hunt for the zebra killers. The zebra killers are black Muslims who are grabbing people off the street, white people off the street, torturing and murdering them because they're white. And so cops are doing stop and frisks of almost any black male. They're called what? The zebra killers, zebra killings. Um, and the most important part about that story in relation to the story I'm talking about now is that Donald DeFries, who is the black man in the SLA, now can really not go out on the streets. Not only is he part of the SLA and an escaped convict, but he's a black man and they're doing stop and frisks of any black man that they see. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? They killed at least 15 people? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Okay. We'll be reading more about that in the light of day tomorrow. (laughs) Seems fine. Okay, so now we're going to talk about kind of the next phase of the SLA um, because they can't keep going like they're going. Right. And everyone in Well, where are they even going? Exactly. So they're in the Bay Area. They're like, everyone is fucking looking for us. And so the SLA is like, we got to move somewhere, at least. And so I think, again, according to Bill and according to some of the, the people, not Patty... Um, say that they tried to convince Patty to leave. Like, we're about to leave the Bay Area. Like, y- this is really your chance to dip. Right. And Patty says, no. <laughs> so they continue living together in a sense, and they escape Does to... Does Patty have an explanation as to why she went? Does she provide her own explanation as to why Why she, she moves? stays? Or why she continues to stay with them? She believes in their cause at this point. But she hasn't refuted that in interviews and stuff? She doesn't give it an alternative? Uh, in interviews and stuff, she says that she was uh, indoctrinated to the point okay. of like not knowing or not really having full control sure. of what she was doing. Okay. Uh, so they moved to L.A., and there's no, it doesn't really make sense for the nine of them. I love they stay in California. They're like, we gotta yeah. get out of here, but I mean. Not that far. I mean, California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it doesn't make sense for the nine of them to stay together. There's no way that they can get a place with the nine of them and not draw any kind of attention. And right. so it makes the most sense for them to kind of split up into threes. And so the plan was uh, Bill, who's interviewed, says he kind of hoped it would be him, his wife, and Angela, which is like the three of them that joined together. Okay. But it ends up being Bill, Emily, and Patty. So Bill, his wife, and Patty, mm. which much to his chagrin. Defreeze, Angela, and Camilla, and then finally Nancy, Willie, and Ms. Moon 
Um, but they first go up to LA and they kind of stay together for a little bit. I think it, they said Nancy and Ms. Moon find a place first. I think in the area of Compton is okay. from what I understand. But so they all go into the same place and then that gives the rest of them time to find their own places. And so May 3rd, 1974, police finally find Golden Gate, the studio apartment that they're at, that they were at in the Bay Area. Did they just evacuate it? They didn't even like give up the lease or anything? They just like left one day? They just left one day and like 10 days later, the police found it. 10 days. They were not even close. It's not even like (sighs) 12 hours. It's like 10 Days. They move because they're like, hey, I think we should leave. And yeah. then they are fully settled in L.A. when their place in San Francisco was found. A group that couldn't burn down their own home. Yes. And they, the police only find it because they get an anonymous tip, which per, I, no one said this, but I personally believe it was the SLA just to be like, fuck you guys. <laughs> I love your conspiracy brain. I love the way that it works. I think that's nuts, but I think it's funny. I I fully believe the SLA was like, ha. <laughs> it was us. Yeah. And so they decide to all move in together, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So Bill, Emma, once they're settled in LA, they realize they need supplies. I'm assuming it seems like they abandoned a lot of stuff in sure. Golden Gate. And so Bill, Emily, and Patty are sent to get supply and Aaron runs. And one of the errands that they're sent to run is to pay a parking ticket that one of their vans got. <laughs> and they're I gonna, love you mis- municipalities. They're going to pay it. That's their errand, is that they're going to go fucking pay this Who's parking paying ticket. This parking ticket? Give me the... Bill, Emily, and Patty. So Bill, Emily, and the most famous woman in California are on their way to... Three people needed to pay with $100 bills, I'm sure, uh, a parking ticket. From L.A. So remember, this parking ticket is now linked to their new home. Oh. (laughs) It's tough to park in L.A. They got a lot of signs. You got to read all of them. a lot of signs. And so, again, Bill is the one that said they were going to pay the parking ticket. I don't know if that was true. I don't know. Maybe they, like, got the parking ticket, threw it in the car, and then it was in the car. Either way, parking ticket in the van with them. They're all in the van going to Mel's Sporting Goods to get some supplies. For what? Ammunition, more stuff Uh, like that. Sporting supplies as in uh, guns and weapons, not like uh, soccer cleats. Yes. Gotcha. And (laughs) they all kind of bring, I think it was a habit at this point that they all bring all the things that they need just in case like they get separated or something happens. So they all have all their stuff. And that leads to Mel's Sporting Goods Store shootout. Jesus Christ. In May of 16, May 16th, 1974. So Patty stays in the van. She has the keys. And this is a big point for people who are analyzing the situation is that Bill and Emily go into the store. Patty is outside in the van with the keys and all of the stuff. And, and could just drive away. And could drive away. And she did not. And not only that, uh, there's Bill is suspected of shoplifting. Unsure if that's the case or not, but he, outside of the store, gets tackled to the ground. Okay. And uh, he's panicking. I think he maybe has something on him that maybe links him to the SLA, and he's thinking that Emily's with him, so Emily's fucked too. Right. Patty is probably going to lay low, drive away, meet back at the safe house. No. Patty starts shooting. Jesus Christ. Of her own volition. There is no one else in the van with her. 
She has a gun. Is she the first one to start shooting? Yes. She is the only one to shoot. Until the, like, guy who tackled him, like, kind of gets up, and eventually he comes back with the gun. But at the point he comes back with the gun, they're already kind of on their way. Right. And so, at this point, Patty has shot out the entire gun. The The gun that the SLA gives her is not fully automatic. It's not one of the altered guns. It's okay. semi-automatic. And so she shoots out the entirety of a fully automatic round and okay. then reaches for her semi-automatic round. That's how many shots she shot. Yeah. Does she hit anybody? No. Okay. Not to any, not to any report that I saw. Yeah. And so at this point, according to Bill, he said he was kind of like iffy on her presence in the SLA until this point. And Bill says, Oh, she turned, like proved herself. Yeah. She like saved my life uh, in this point. And. And she did not Ugh. need to because he genuinely thought that she was just going to dip. And dip. He, I don't think he, it sounds, the way sounds he like talks he about it. he would have dipped. Yeah, the way he talks about it, it sounds like, like, I wouldn't even have judged her if she dipped. Right. Um, and at this point, they got to get back. They don't want to go back to the safe house because the police are probably chasing them. And so they have to, like, steal a... It, it turns into another one of those situations where, like, everything goes wrong. And so they abandon their van. They try and, like, Grand Theft Auto this other car. And they, like, kind of have to, like, force this guy out of the car. They get the car. The car dies, like, a few blocks later. Of course. And then they find this other car. And they tell the guy, hey, we're with the SLA. Will you give us your car? And the guy says, yeah, sure. And then gives huh. him the keys. And I'm not sure how true that is. Sure. But it seems like... The first time, they didn't tell me it was the SLA. The second time, they were like, maybe this will help because right. people know who we are. And then it did work. And that we have done crazy things yeah. in the past. And so he gets the car. And then eventually, they want to switch cars one more time. And so they find this like van that's for sale. And they go up to the door. And it's this guy. I think his name is Tom Matthews. He's a high school senior. He's the one selling the car. And he's like, I'd love... It's Emily. And she's like, I'd love to test drive your car. Do you mind if my friends come? And inevitably, they just, like, end up spending several hours in the car with Tom Matthews. And Tom... What? Tom is interviewed... In, what? Tom is interviewed in the series saying, like, yeah, they're super nice. What? Like, they're just hanging out in the back of this fucking van. And he eventually recognizes Patty. And Patty's, like, kind of flirting with him a little bit. And they're well, just talking. They talk about... So, his, they're trying to find a getaway car. They come up to a guy selling his car, Tom Matthews. And they're like... Hey, can we test drive it? And he's like, sure, but obviously you have to come with you. And they just cruise around LA, the four of them, for a couple they hours? They cruise a little bit, and I think they end up parking somewhere in Tom's neighborhood. What? Yeah. It's moments like this where, like, oh, they're kids. Like, they're just guessing. Like, they, they don't are. have any bigger plan. They are just doing the immediate thing. They're just kids running around California who are committing serious crimes. Yep. And so... I mean, um, imagine if you were the first two guys whose car gets jacked. If my car gets jacked, and I'm in a, I'm a very, I have a very stable life. If my car were to get jacked, it would absolutely mess me up for a couple months. This like, is completely another... completely decenter my life. Yeah, this is another time where you kind of see Bill's unhinged side. He says, he's recounting the first car that they steal. Um, and the guy says no. And Bill, at this point in the dock, is a little unhinged. He's laughing, and he tells a story, and he's like, quote, oh, haha, what am I gonna do? This guy in the car is too big for me to beat up. And then he says that Emily comes to the passenger side window and says, get out of the car, please, with her gun. And then that's how they get the, that car, and then they go a couple Jeez. blocks away, get the next car, and then they end up at Tom Matthews' house. Um, which, it's hysterical because I wouldn't believe any of the story if Tom Matthews was not interviewed in the docu-series. To confirm it later. To confirm it, right. yeah. And so 
They tell him he's with the SLA. Tom knows who they are. They, he says that they're all very charming. Um, he says that Bill has one handcuff on him still from Mel, the Mel shootout, and that oh, Tom right. ends up going and getting a hacksaw and like getting the handcuff off of Bill, and Bill gives him like a huge bear hug. Tom Matthews helps get the handcuff off, off of him. Bill, and then they talk about his uh, playoffs game that he has this weekend, and <laughs> yeah, and so they they end up going to like a rendezvous location that they had previously set up um, with the, the rest of the SLA, and sure. it was like a drive-in theater, and they said that the signal was going to be like a coffee cup on the hood, and um, the rest of the SLA never really shows, and so they end up going back into the neighborhood uh, and spend the night in the van. And, um, with Tom Matthews still? I'm not. I think Tom Matthews bounce? goes to the the location with them because okay. he, he'll have to drive the van back. But when they get back to the neighborhood, it seems like Tom Matthews maybe leaves. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Um, so they're kind of curious why the rest of the SLA didn't meet them because it's they're sure that the news of the SL or the Mel shootout, shootout has happened. Right. And that they'll recognize it and know to meet there. However... Um, the remaining group at the safe house sees the news of Mel's shootout. Emily had dropped her revolver um, when all this happened, and that revolver links them to the SLA. So the LAPD now knows they're in town. Okay. Not the Bay Area police. Not the, the FBI. LAPD. The LAPD. Knows the SLA has moved to Los Angeles. Los Angeles. And they... Um, so they, in a hurry, leave that first place and find, in the middle of the night... Um, a new place that's a few miles Which away. Which feels a, a lot more suspicious. Mm, yes. But okay. Uh, Bill, Emily, and Patty eventually realize the rest of the crew is not coming, so they head back. And they're trying to think of what they left behind. Mm, at, the, at their house? At Mel's. In okay. the car, in the getaway car. Okay. They realize the parking ticket is there. The parking ticket links them to the first house that their original group has now left. Right. And so they don't know that their original group has left that first house, but they're like, okay, that's why our friends didn't meet us because they're worried that they're gonna get tracked to that house. Right. The LAPD has a bit of a reputation at this point of really solving cases, or AKA cracking heads, as someone put it. Um, They also just developed a new team called the Special Weapons and Tactics Team, a.k.a. SWAT. What? I did not okay. know SWAT started with the LAPD. No, or Patty Hearst. It didn't start with Patty Hearst, but no, this is one of the first yeah. big cases. Yeah. So the SWAT team started after the 1965 Watts riots, right. um, which what I, from what I gather is very similar to George Floyd riots. Right. It's yes. a racial... Uh, charged riot where they like someone seems to be falsely I think it's yeah, the uh, so it's I think it's kicked off by the Rodney King beatings mm, by mm. the LAPD which yeah, sure. is I mean do you know what that is Yeah I recognize okay. that name I just I only saw the Watts riots and then at this point I had so many pages of notes I stopped Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> deep diving <laughs> Um so the idea for SWAT is that they would serve as high ground security for ground level patrol guards which that's a lot of buzzwords that yes. I don't understand but they do interview two of the retired SWAT agents that were on this case. Okay. Um, 
And so the SWAT team is sent to assist the FBI at the first safe house. So they've already found the first safe house. And okay. they're like, fuck, it's empty. They are moving a lot faster than Bay Area police can. A lot okay. faster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, due to the parking ticket, they find the first safe house. One of the SWAT guys interviewed said the LAPD was the only team that could handle this. And that the <laughs> FBI SWAT team was not yet fully formed. Mm. And that they were, quote, wannabes <laughs> <laughs> they wish they had what we had they wish fucking you could tell even in the interview the that the pride. guys were like oh, so the, F the fbi finally drives down from the bay area and they're yeah. like we got this and we're like mm, sit back champ. yeah okay whatever <laughs> yeah so the swat boots down the back door of the sla safe house okay luckily Luckily, the sla is gone because this command to boot down the door of the swat team came from the special director of the FBI who rushed this raid and seeing all the weapons that had been left behind in the safe house, so many FBI agents would have died. Oh shit. Following that special director's orders because the actual LAPD SWAT team said like, no, we got to case this house. We got to see who's in right. it. And the FBI director was essentially like, get go, in go, there go, now. Go. Right. And so that's another thing that the LAPD SWAT is like, this fucking idiot. They have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And so the LAPD guy said to someone else, some higher up that like, we're not working with this idiot again. Sure. And the LAPD uh, took the lead and from the FBI in LA at this point. And so Bill, Emily, and Patty are sleeping in the van um, with Tom or fucking wherever. Tom somewhere. In that area right, with okay. that uh, thing. And so they realize they need to leave the area. It's the next morning now. And so Tom's like, Tom in the interview was like, I was really hoping this would be like over by now. So mm. like. I could have my car back. Yeah. <laughs> I could go to high school. Yeah, and so they end up leaving. Tom's still, like, he seems to have no ill intentions or, like, or seems no to have no hard, towards fil them. hard yeah. feelings towards it. He was like, this was just, like, last longer than I thought it would. And so... <laughs> That's a weird Thursday. <laughs> yeah. And so they end up... Patty and Emily and Bill pretend to be hitchhikers. They end up deciding that they need to go somewhere that um, the FBI, the LAPD aren't going to track them. So where do they go? Disneyland. Shut up. Mm -hmm. No. They stay at a they motel. They go to Disneyland? A motel at Disneyland, yep. What? Because they figure it'll be harder to find them. Amongst even. tourists? Yeah. Because there's just I so mean, many people. Okay. Yeah. Because they also realize that their other SLA members are in the suburbs. So, like, where's the opposite of the suburbs? Somewhere yeah, I guess. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> meanwhile, the rest of the SLA, so it's Donald DeFries, Camilla Hall, um, Ms. Moon. Ms. Moon, and then Nancy Ling Perry and Willie Wolf are at the other safe house. They have moved safe houses now because they realize after the Mel's shootout that things are about to go down. How many guns did they bring with them? Enough still? You'll fucking see. Okay. Yep. yep. And so SWAT and LAPD flood the area of... Cause they didn't move, they moved houses, but they didn't move that far. Right. And so now there are, of the 500 deployed officers in the LAPD at the time, 150 were in the lo new oh, location okay. where the new safe house was. And patrol units are approached by an elderly woman who asks if they're looking for, quote, white guys with guns. Ooh, yes we are, ma'am. They say yes. She says they're in that house right there. <sighs> 
Yep. I love a neighbor who's like, I don't want that in my neighborhood. They're right there. Get them out. <laughs> and I think they also get reports from some other neighbors that are like, there's some sus ass shit sure. going over there. Like Pick it, the wrong neighborhood uh, to yeah. try to hide in. I, and it obviously. seems like this one elderly woman is the one that like really narrowed it down for them. But sure. it seems like the entire neighborhood was like, yeah, what the fuck is going that? on over yeah. there? What are the, these people who moved here in the middle of the night doing? Yes. And so one of the SWAT team guys he is interviewed in the docuseries says he goes up to the door to listen as like discreetly as possible and he hears Sinkyu giving orders to other people in the house. Sinkyu is Donald DeFries. Right. Um, instructing others to barricade the doors. And so he's like, yep, they're fucking in here because he recognizes Sinkyu's voice from, from the, the communiques. Right. Yep, and so the LAPD and SWAT work to evacuate five square blocks around the house. Holy shit. And obviously, like, not everyone evacuates, but they, they do get a, most of the people out. Right. There's a man named Bill Diaz, who is a news reporter, and I love this man. He's so, I don't know, he's just, like, really excited, but he, his story <laughs> is kind of a side story that's, like, kind of a fun fact okay. in this whole thing. Bill Diaz is a news reporter, and his team is the only team on site, because only team on site that has one of their new kinds of cameras that is like a cable camera that doesn't require film to be taken back to the studio. You can do it live. He's the only one to do it on live. the site with live footage, and this changes live reporting. Changes. So this case found SWAT. Also founds live news coverage of events. Yep. I love this. Isn't that I love that we get to talk nuts. about stuff like this. Fucking I love crazy. this podcast. I know. This is like absolutely bananas batshit crazy. So Bill Diaz's crew is the only crew with the only with the new camera that can live broadcast. SWAT gives the announcement, the same announcement, 23 times. Quote, to the people in the house of 1466 East 54th Street. You are surrounded. We want you to surrender and walk out. 23 separate times. Eventually, a little boy and an elderly man walk out. Oh. Like, not... What? Yeah, exactly. SWAT asks the old man who's in there, and he says, there's only an old black lady in there. The SWAT asks the little boy who's in there, and he says, there's a bunch of white people with guns. <laughs> Never tell a kid a secret. Never, Never tell, tell a kid, kid a, a secret. secret. And he describes that they have, like, guns across their chest, which is, like, bandoliers of, of um, bullets. And so they've announced everything. They've gotten who they think are, like, the innocents in the house out. Right. At least I want to get out. They tear gas the house. Uh, gunfire erupts from inside the house after the tear gas. The FBI did not shoot the first shot. Okay. The SLA shoots the first shot. And uh, Rob, who's one of the retired SWAT agents, there's a quote from him in the docuseries that says, quote, swear to God on my grandchildren's life, none of them made any effort to surrender in any way. Mm. And so they're, they recognize after the fact that there's an M1, M1 carbine being used from inside the house, which is a type of gun, and traditionally it does nine, 900 rounds a minute. But it had been altered to do 1,300 rounds a minute. How do you get something to shoot even faster I like that? Know. Because it was semi-automatic and they made it automatic, I think. So they're going to uh, spray bullets out of this safe house. Yep. That they've been in for hours at yep. this point. And Bill, you can tell I was like losing my shit around this time that I was taking notes, but Bill, my note says, Bill Diaz is a goddamn animal. 
<laughs> what does Bill Diaz do during all of this? He, I don't, at this point, he says that he doesn't realize that he's the only one that everyone is like seeing. Reporting. Because there's other newscasters there. So in his mind, right. he doesn't have the only story. It's only, yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah. It, in reality, it is only his, and his news station is broadcasting it on every news station. Oh. And so he has the only story. And the, the film from his story, fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> He says he gets as close to the shooting as possible. And then, like, right behind the house, there's a, a cop there or, like, an FBI agent, SWAT team, whatever, there. Right. And they're asking him, like, where do you think they're going? Like, well, they're trying to interview him. And they almost get shot. Because <laughs> like it's just, like, the whole house is just, like, spewing yes, bullets. Yes, they're at the back, but they almost get, you can see it. it. Like, you can see them all duck, and you can, like, almost hear it whiz on the oh camera. And their quote is, that's bad, that's bad. We just got missed by a bullet. We gotta get out of here. <laughs> gonna back up a little bit. Gonna back up. Gonna back <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. And so, the crazy thing about all of this is that everyone thinks Patty Hearst is in the house. Because no oh, one right. knows that no she's not there. No one knows that she's there. somewhere else. And also, she's only not there kind of... Out of almost coincidence. And she's she was wearing a wig at Mel's. So theoretically, if anyone even saw her, they might not recognize right, her. Right, right, right. Like uh, Tom Matthews, she was still wearing the wig when they took his car. And she, right. she said he didn't even recognize her at first until someone For told hours, him right. that, it was Ta- uh, that it was Tanya or Patty Hearst. And so they think that this um, this famous heiress is about to be murdered on live television. Oh, my God. And so... Even though the area is evacuated, there's a lot of people still in the area. You can see footage from the newscasters of them like huddling on the ground behind a car. Bill Diaz at some point is even hiding behind a car. Right. Um, the police are not shooting to kill at this point. The SWAT team kind of elaborates. He said they're like they're shooting to stop the shooting. Like they're right. shooting to try and like stop the people that are shooting inside because they're they're worried that the people inside. I, I'm are almost surprised kill. they didn't burn down the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I swear to God, I didn't know anything. No, it's I'm just okay. like, they, that's what I would they, do. They're throwing a bunch of tear gas into the house, and at right. some point, uh, one catches on fire. Like, okay. basically completely an accident. They didn't intend to, but the right. house catches on fire. More SWAT announcements are made once they realize the house is on fire. They said, the house is on fire. Come out of the house. You will not be harmed. At the point that the house catches on fire and the door opens, there's a ceasefire called, so everyone stops shooting, even the SLA, and an elderly black woman comes out of the house. Oh, shit. Yeah. What was she doing there the entire I don't time? No. Did they interview her later? Um, there is some footage of her getting interviewed, but she's like really bombarded, and so it, I think she oh, was like sure. like too stressed to even answer anything. So I don't know if she was kept there or if she chose to stay or whatever. Right. But she was there until eventually she said, "I gotta go," and then everyone was like, "Okay, go, be free." And um, but the rest of the SLA stays. The rest of the SLA stays. Uh, yeah, they continue shooting. Uh, until the house is essentially completely burned to the ground. Uh, Bill Diaz has the only exclusive picture from the scene ushering a new age of live, uh, television. live television. And they, the SLA that's in the house had kicked in the floor furnace and were shooting from crawl spaces. At one point, Nancy Ling Perry escaped wearing a gas mask uh, into the backyard and she shot. Uh, Camilla Sh- Hall is shot in the head. Everyone else is then killed in the crawl spaces. Like in the fire or? In the fire. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the total time from the beginning, beginning announcements to the end where everyone kind of stopped shooting was just over an hour. Wow. Uh, it's the longest and most intense shootout in LAPD history. The LAPD fired about 5,300 rounds. The SLA fired about uh, 4,000 rounds. 
There were 83 tear gas canisters fired by the LAPD. The house burned around them. Uh, inside the house, they recovered 18 weapons, not recovered, but found 18 right. weapons, two unexploded pipe bombs. Oof. Uh, 23 homes were damaged. No cops were shot and no bystanders were injured at all. And five bodies were initially found and there was a sixth found the next day. Everyone thought the sixth body was going to be Patty and it wasn't. The bodies that were found were Nancy Ling Perry, Camilla Hall, Patricia Soltizic, who's Ms. Moon, Willie Wolf, Donald DeFries, and Angela Atwood. And then at this point it became, where is Patty Hearst? And the answer is that she, Emily, and Bill are in that motel in Anaheim. Watching it happen. Watching their comrades die on live television. And that is where we will end part one of this story. What a cliffhanger. Right. When you told me that we might break this out into two parts, I didn't. I was like, I don't know how. Isn't that bananas? You, you do forget in this story, because like all of these like cults and terrorist organizations that just yeah. go fully off the like regular path, like mm-hmm. fully off like societal norms who like kind of abandon traditional thinking. Their, their viewpoint, the worldview is so silly. It's easy to make fun of. And then they found two pipe bombs. These are people who were willing to die in a fire and an FBI shootout. Yeah. And they continued firing until yeah. they died. Yeah. Like that's... Only what, one or two of them even tried to escape? Yeah. I think it was only Nancy Ling Perry. I think the rest of it, like Camilla Hall was in like a window or something so someone saw her get shot. And right. the rest of them, they don't really know how they died because they're... In the docuseries, I will warn you, if you watch it, you'll see some pictures of the burned bodies. And it's it's hard to see. Like you can't tell who they really are without doing like a some sort of deep DNA test or like understanding. And so there's really no way to know if they died from gunshot wound or fire. Because then I'm also now thinking too, like, what does that do to any brainwashing or programming or conditioning you've been through when you see it burned down on television in a motel? Outside of Disneyland. And you can't do anything. You're right. sitting there with the TV on and you can't do anything. And these were people you have been with, either that you have loved or that have assaulted you. Either way would produce you have an, an intense connection. emotional yeah. response to it. Mm-hmm. People that you know, like even if it was someone I hated that I never 19. liked. And, and you're, you're 19. 19. Yeah. <laughs> Camera just died. I think that's a great place to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so next Uh, week, if you um, come to or listen, watch the next episode, we will talk about what happens after the shootout, kind of the, the next phase of they don't, Bill Harris is very adamant in the docuseries that after those people die, it is no longer the SLA. So I'm not I'm going to try and respect that and not call it the SLA. But um, the next phase of this group of trying to radicalize. Um, And then we will talk about what happens when inevitably people are caught and it goes to trial because that is fascinating. What have you decided to name this? I have no idea. Patty cake, patty cake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> I'm listening to Lost and Found Part One, Money and a Gun. Money mm. Money and a Gun. But then part two has to have the same name and it doesn't make the same money. It doesn't I don't make think sense. it needs to have the same name because then it'll be like 
episode whatever, part two of Lost and Found, blah, 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 part Money two. Money gun. Yeah, so I think we can call the second one something else and then just in the descriptor say it's part two of... Stand and deliver. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> How are you doing this? I'm really tired. I'm a little buzzed. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I am dreaming of McDonald's, though. No, I The McDonald's, there's I'm one gonna, in my neighborhood that's 24 hours. Um, there's still have 24 hours? An, it's the one in Edgewater. <gasps> yeah. I want to drive past Jacob and Lydia's house and not stop. Just go. No, that's fair. I have mashed potatoes still in the I fridge. also have mashed potatoes, but it's what I have to bring to lunch tomorrow. That's fair. Um, if you... <laughs> I'm sorry to leave you guys on a cliffhanger. This is the first time we've done this, but um, I really feel like it's important to get all the details in, and so I don't regret it that much. If you hate it, don't let us know. And if you love it, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> um, follow us on social media at Well I Laughed. Um, we're everywhere. And then if you want to email us, we're Well I Have Pod at gmail.com. And on Patreon, we have a lot of fun. It's Well I Laugh Podcast. Uh, well, I laugh podcast. That's yep. what I meant. You know how to find us. You've been listening to us for a while. Uh, yep. And we do hope that you survived the holidays. And if you didn't go visit family, we hope that was by choice. And if it wasn't, uh, and sorry to make you more you. sad, maybe after that. But, uh, <laughs> and see you in seven days. Bye. Bye. Bye.